to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down In Front. Our movie this week is Orgasmo. Ryan's a huge fan of Orgasmo. He loves himself some (laughs) Orgasmo. Before we get started, talk about who's at the table and what we have to bring to the podcast today. Go ahead and pop in your DVD or your RIP or your iPod or your VHS tape or whatever the hell you might have. Surely you have the DVD of Orgasmo. Everyone has the DVD of Orgasmo. Press play. Press pause when the Universal logo fades to black. The first frame you perceive of all black after the Universal fades out. Best guess. Go ahead and press pause. And in a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. I'll press play. You'll press play. Watch the movie together in perfect sync. It will be... Very much like any other commentary, except, of course, this time it will not be with the director or the writer or the producer. It will be with four friends in your head, and those friends today are myself, as always, Teague Christie, my friend, Brian William Fenifter. Hi. Uh, and uh, let's jump to me, me, uh, the Trey usual guy, Trey Stokes. Stokes, and then we have a special guest uh, with us. Trey, this, uh, Trey set, up, set up the Jeff. Actually, I, I set up the Jeff. I'll, the, in fact, I think, I think this represents maybe two firsts, in a sense. Um, uh, our, host, our guest today, our special guest today, I'm very excited, uh, uh, Mr. Jeff Schubert. Yay! Hey, thank you very much, welcome, guys. Welcome, first of all, welcome so much. Thank you for doing the show. Um, Jeff Schubert, uh, the host of... The, of the Film Nut uh, web, uh, web show? Web show, we web call show. it. Film Nut, web show on the stream.tv, of which I was a recent guest, and there's your connection right there. So I think this the first first is I think this is the first time we've had someone on our show who I was a guest on their show. Uh, that's why they're Fair there. enough. Uh, I think the other first is, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, we've had people involved in movies, but I think this is the first time someone will appear on screen who's here on a couch with us. Is that not true? I think that's true. I believe Jeff this. would know better than I would. Yeah. Well, not no. If, if in you, terms of our show, has oh. anyone else ever sat on this couch and we've looked at them on screen? If I don't, don't think that's ever happened. If no. you don't count you, we don't count puppet. me being off screen under a puppet. Your, your about, hand was on screen. I'm talking about this guy's face. face is going to be on our television screen as we watch this movie because he's an actor in Orgasmo. And honest to God, first time. First time occurrence on Down in Front. I think so. It's two firsts in one. Anyway, so Jeff has this great show called uh, Film Nut, which I was uh, I really enjoyed being a guest of, and you know we'll mutually plug. I did it uh, a couple weeks before Christmas. I yeah, guess it yeah, was. absolutely. I uh, had a great time on the show. It's a great show. They have great guests. Michael Madsen's coming up. Uh, I'm going to be watching. that Go to one. the stream.tv stream.tv Film Nut and watch Jeff's show, and uh, he in turn is appearing on ours. Welcome, Jeff. To our thank show. you for being here, sir. Oh, it's a pleasure. You know, I had an opportunity to listen to your review of The Princess Bride, and, and <laughs> oh, little, that episode, and, yeah. and a little bit of Ghostbusters. Too. I mean, you guys know about film, you're passionate about film, and you have a lot of fun, so it's great to be here. There you go. Well, we have a lot of fun with it. Now, for me, this movie, Orgasmo, uh, represents a very special time in my life. When I was, I was uh, a lone island in a, in a sea of idiots in the Midwest, <laughs> the only guy I'd ever met at that point who'd ever heard of Orgasmo. Uh, and not only Orgasmo, but Cannibal and everything before and after that Trey Parker's ever done, I consider to be more or less a work of genius, up to and kind of excluding Team America. I don't know anyone that worked which, on that movie, but if we, I did, I would tell them. That <laughs> we covered that one, yeah. <laughs> Go to the Team America commentary for that one. But Orgasmo is... I, I, I would list South Park the movie as the masterwork of Trey Parker and Matt Stone, but Orgasmo is very, very close on the second. Uh, everything about this movie makes me giggle. And it, it's clearly... It's clearly uh, it may not be literally sophomoric, but it's clearly a... These guys are going to be really, really good at this very, very soon. And the movie shows a lot of 
I, I hesitate to say promise because it sounds like I'm deigning to give them the. <laughs> you guys have promise, right. but yeah. the, you guys are going to go somewhere. This this movie is clearly not going to do well in theaters, and your mom's not going to like it. However, I absolutely <laughs> adore Orgasmo. There are Br- kids in basements in the Midwest <laughs> who are going to love you for the rest of that, their lives. That's 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 me all over, and it's it started this whole other thing where I was I was way into everything else that Trey did, and then later on I got into music and appreciate all of his musicals for what they are, and then uh, not to mention DVDA the band uh, band. And there's that. also a character, DVDA, in the movie. Yep, yep, yep. DVDA makes a strong appearance in this film, and we'll find out later what those letters mean. But since it's the first five minutes, we're not going to tell you. We're going to bury the lead. Brian Finnifter, how do you feel about Orgasmo? Uh, I don't nearly have nearly the history as you do. I, I forget the details, but I saw it after, as I imagine most people did, once they saw um, South Park. Uh, they came across Orgasmo, and that's how I came across it. I've, I think that's probably the last time I saw it, but I love it. I do love Matt, Parker and, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker and everything they do. Oh, he just gave me this look like, how could you screw that up? That's like saying same. Nikola Edison or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I do. I do admire what I, I'll tell you. What I admire about their ability to satirize things is how directly they satire. They just flat out. They don't do much more than say, "Look at this thing. This is retarded," and somehow they make that hilarious. And I admire them for it. Now we're going to go to Trey at this point. Yeah, we'll Trey skip. Amazing Stokes, Orgasmo. Orgasmo, I, I, it's quite likely that I haven't seen all of Orgasmo all the way through in one sitting, um, but I've seen bits and pieces. and uh, yeah, It's one of those movies you catch on cable, so I've seen the last half of it probably half a dozen times. What cable uh, do you have? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I know. It's very very rare. Late at night, uh, Orgasmo will show up. And it's what struck me about it, we talked about it in Team America, it's come up time and time again, is um, in other commentaries as well, is, is Orgasmo to me represents the idea that we come, keep coming back to is like it doesn't matter what genre you're working in a well-constructed movie is a well-constructed movie and I think you know what always strikes me about Orgasmo is, is rude and crude and NC-17 and you know ridiculously it's about the damn porn industry and, and, and makes every joke it can about being about the porn industry at the core of it is a, is a love story about this sweet Mormon kid who wants to get together with his girlfriend and that's actually what's driving this story so and that I think is the secret of Parker and Stone all along is you know as crazy and crude as South Park gets they always 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 are story character driven bits that they're doing Team Team America is a story and character driven piece South Park is story and character driven Orgasmo is story and character driven and they use that little framing story to hang their duty jokes on top of and I respect them tremendously that they they still they have the craft to to make to make a movie that works as a movie. Now, we tickled, we tickled the balls of your curiosity earlier, saying Jeff had something to do with this film. Uh, but now we'll get into it a little bit more. Jeff, what, what do you bring to the table? What's your experience with Orgasmo? Tickled the balls of your curiosity. Tickled the balls. I just can't let that one it's going to be that kind of show. We're doing Orgasmo. We're doing Orgasmo. It's an NC-17 movie. That's right. That's great. Well, it's it's movie, that's right. No, and, that's, great. and that's not the oh. unrated version. So I think the, the, uh, the lid yeah, is off. the theatrical of, version. We mentioned yeah, that in the theatrical post. version. The, the lid is off in terms of language or topic as far as this commentary goes. Kids are in bed. Now, trust that's me. right. I um, what did I do? I worked. I was the intern in the casting department for the film, which was interesting because before the casting director that I was interning for got the job, if you will, they were trying to cast it through someone else. And do you guys know what the breakdowns are? Should I not go into that? Is that boring? To I your do, audience? but for the benefit okay. of our audience, okay. Uh, briefly, uh, breakdowns. That's what the agents get to tell them what's being cast by who in terms of TV and film and so forth. You're only supposed to be an agent or a manager in order to get them. But there's but about so 10, many other people there about get them. Ten to twenty thousand black market <laughs> copies and a friend of a friend. Yeah. Let me know that there was this uh, thing being cast called Orgasmo. Look right for me. I submitted. Never got called for it. 
months later, now my casting director is casting the, pro- the project, and I get an audition. And a lot of the roles were cast directly through Trey and Matt, you know, from their friends in Denver. Dean Bacar, who plays mm-hmm. Chodaboy in the movie. Good friend of theirs, not much acting experience, maybe steals the movie. I mean, his acting performance was, was great, awesome in this. Um, so a lot of the roles were precast, but for the ones that weren't, I was uh, the reader. I was reading opposite um, Robin Lynn, who played the female mm-hmm. lead in the movie. I was reading opposite um, A Cup, I think is the character's name. Max Orbison, you know, all these guys. I was reading. Yeah, Max yeah. Orbison almost did not get the part because his agent was like being really tough in negotiations or whatever. And my casting director bosses were getting pissed, and they were they were about to say fuck them and just move on to the next choice. But then the agent, you know, got together, and I got to audition for a small role, one of the thugs, and it was a lot of fun. I worked on it uh, five days as an actor. Cool. Yeah. I'm sure you'll you know point if we don't if we don't spot you obviously point out when you show up the so top of go, video hey, there you are and when we get to it I'll tell you a great story because there was I one so. there was one thing my character gets to do that was originally written for another character but he refused to do it and then <sighs> Trey, Trey Parker comes up to me on the set you know Trey was so nice and so easy to go obviously you know he wasn't a big star or anything then but it doesn't matter there are no names who are assholes in this business already with an ego even though they shouldn't have sure. one so he was super cool and you know he just comes up to me as polite as can be asking me if it would be okay if, if I participate in this particular bit and I was like are you crazy of course <laughs> awesome. well now we have something to look forward now, to now don't be afraid to bogart the mic and say no you gotta know this this is really cool yeah. if there's anything that comes up along the way yeah. by all means this is uh, you're the one who's gonna know the most about uh, any, any detail of this movie however so. I feel like we've got a pretty good table today. Get a good let's start. Go ahead and get your mouse or remote ready. You're at the point where the Universal logo faded to black. Ready to go? Here we go. Three, two, one, unpause. And we're playing. Right off the bat with this logo that... Yeah, wow. Is, oh, it's so... It's, it reminds me of like when you go to the New Bev and watch like an exploitation film. It's yeah, got right. like the Kazooie thing. Right. It, it just yeah. reminds me... Kazooie, how, how, how indie do you have to be that you've been financed by some Japanese company? Right. And you know, uh, Frank Kazooie was the director of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One of the producers. Frank, that's right. Yeah, the film. Frank, the film. Frank is uh-huh. a, yeah, the, and and the remake. They're and the remake is in, also it was optioned directly recently. involved yeah. in the remake uh-huh. as well. Now we're going right. Oh, I love the subtitle says rock. That's the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as, in terms of the music we're hearing, as, as we're uh, as as we move along, you'll start to notice that Trey Parker is a uh, polymath, as it were, and one of the things he does repeatedly and uh, later celebrated by Stephen Sondheim in South Park is he can write himself some music uh, and and DVDA, which is the band that's performing the song it's it's you know the group of guys that did it but they're like we need a name uh does the song called now you're a man which (laughs) cracks me up to the point where i can't even talk about it objectively (laughs) you know it's unfortunate that we're not hearing it right now we're We're getting the lyrics you're a manny 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 man now you're a man 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 manny manny man i do vaguely remember hearing the song when i first uh first watch this movie oh it's that very direct kind of this is a story and this is exactly what's happening we're just going to say how it is and that's and that's the comedy it's like the the montage song from team america it's like yeah. it's a montage and it's just it's literally describing what's going on and that's hilarious i remember the energy at the cast and crew screening we were just all so pumped and so excited to see it well you can tell there's sort of a string between those two particular songs that i was going to bring up but thank you brian which is that they, they both sort of play on uh devices that were used in 80s films uh, where one is a montage and one is a call to action type Karate Kid thing, you know, you're the best type right. song. You're the best right. oh, no one's gonna have Jason McHugh used to have to do a bong hit every time he spoke to Frank Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> what? Really? That was like one of Trey's stoner friends who was also a producer on the movie. 
Good nice. guy, Jason. I, like brought, I guess they brought a lot of their friends with they, them. They did, crew and cast. Now, this yeah. was, we, I don't know if we set the context exactly. I love this. this. I this love this. Just before, just, <laughs> just, before they, uh, just before they broke with South Park, the television series. They'd made The Spirit of Christmas, which is the little indie little piece that they'd done that sort of set up the South Park and idea. And and you. Yeah, or no, the, your, the, studio. your studio idea. Because they were just kind of guys who hung around Universal Studios and people would throw them things. The Spirit of Christmas was somebody's idea that they wanted them to do. And for, said, for a Christmas gift. Yeah, they do me some twisted like Christmas a, yeah. cartoon and I'll send it to my friends. And that's, that's, that's how the birth of South Park. So as you say, I think you mentioned before we started showing that, that the, as, as they were making this movie was when they got the word that they... That's one of the producers. That's one of the producers on the film too, Jake Rose. There you go. Now, is this? Is this a? It certainly feels like it ought to be. I mean, this is. I'm, I'm guessing a fairly tiny film. I mean, in terms of scope and you know number of people on the set and the fact that the producer shows up on screen, you get in there and do the role. Is it, I mean, how big a movie was this? Was this like a little five um, guys in a in a house, or or was it? Did it feel like a big movie? Uh, somewhere in between. I, I believe the budget was around is listed as being like 1.3 million or okay. something for it. And, but it was done non-union, so. You know, the, people weren't making as much money. Now, if I recall correctly, and this is, you know, this is fourth-hand knowledge, but uh, I heard an interview about this, and Trey Parker said that his his connection to Mormonism and it comes up in South Park a lot, and uh, and and you know, it shows up in a lot of things that they these guys have done. Uh, he, I guess, he had like a Mormon girlfriend or something. You fuck right off. <laughs> I guess he had like a Mormon girlfriend or something like that, and he was initially very puzzled by that, and later on, he's just been his go-to thing. Right. <laughs> There you go. Uh, Establishing the, the Trey Parker, Matt Stone style right there, boy. <laughs> but like, you know, like they establish in Cartoon Wars on South Park, they go after everything equally. They do. They, they, they really, they, I suppose if you, if you watched every single episode of South Park, maybe you could, you could divine by, you know, the dog that doesn't bark. Maybe you could find the one thing that they're, they're, so, right. they're so sensitive about that they don't ever actually mock. You know what? They've never mocked people who are left-handed and colorblind. That's right. You know, or whatever. Well, that's because Matt Stone's colorblind. You know, whatever, you know, you'd probably you know, do a dissertation on, you know, is there anything, literally any concept that there hasn't been mocked? Hey, now who's this? Robin Lynn, right? No, I don't think so. No? No, this uh, is the other. This is yeah. the other. Oh, I think she's really cute. The funny, I remember her because there's one frame of female nudity in this entire film, <laughs> and, and this is it. This is Gone. It. <laughs> and then the rest of it's butts. The entire movie's butts. That's another friend of theirs who was also on the crew, I believe. I forget his name off the top of my head. Now you said you worked in the hello. You said you worked in the in the casting department. Right? Yes, you, you uh-huh. did mostly reading. I always think about you, know, especially a movie like this. I was I wonder like what does the breakdown look like when you're casting for let's say the ass fuck twins, <laughs> you know? And then when someone comes in, do they go? I'm here to read for one of the ass fuck twins. I mean, what is the actual process like of that? You know, I want to know. And of course, there that if is that not Mr. Ron Jeremy? That is Mr. Ron Jeremy. Yes, yes so. looking oddly skinny. Hey, go wrong. Well, ten years ago, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron Jeremy certainly is one of those improbable porn stars. Like that, that's a porn star. There, you yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is one of your big porn stars. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> Speaking of cartoon wars and and what South Park does, we were talking about this in the beginning. Where there's no matter what they're doing, they did this weird thing where in all their projects they use story to to tell a story, which is a weird thing, crazy uh, as compared to a show like, for instance, and I and I'm not. I like Family Guy, but it, it stands in juxtaposition to Family Guy, which is clearly about the joke, not about how you can move someone to a joke without even really changing the, just the situation, just by changing the characters. Uh, meanwhile, Family Guy is very situational. It's like, what if you know, what if Jesus had cheese on his head and he came to your door and asked you something inexplicable that no one ever asks about? Right. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. It is what it is. But 
they're, they're, they're two very different styles, I guess. And, and, and in that comparison, South Park is way closer to The Simpsons than Family Guy is. Yes. <laughs> Brian is grinning like an ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, we, we're past it now, but uh, the, when he breaks through the wall, you can very clearly see the Fernie pad in the background. There's... The, well, the great thing about making a movie about cheap filmmaking is you it's can be cheap. cheap make, and you, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter when the, if the fight looks cheesy. It's because you're making a movie about a fight that looks cheesy and and uh, you know looks like it's being shot in a living room because it is being shot in a living room. Well, actually, the Beverly Hills mansion that a lot of the movie was shot in, I think we're in there right now. Uh, one of the I play one of the three kind of comic relief lower level villains in the movie, and one of my two cohorts. It's his house. He's a, he's a, he was a really rich stockbroker or something. No kidding. And he gave them a deal on the house, kind of for his. I don't know if it was said like that quid pro quo. You know, you're only getting the part if you do this deal for us, or he got the part first and then yeah. offered it. I gave you my house if you but let me be in it. Something like that. Yeah, it was one of the actors' houses. So what's okay. your relationship with this movie at this point in your life? I mean, you've got a whole other thing going on now. I mean, do you see this as like just like a that was kind of fun? I mean, do you look back on it negatively? No, no, no. I look back at it as a ton of fun. I mean, it was a great fun. I mean, Trey and Matt were just super cool. Everyone involved in it was super cool. I mean, we were all, I think everyone, I, a lot of people that I spoke to were a little disappointed in that we couldn't get away from the NC-17 rating, which kept it from being... You know, released in about 800 movie theaters and then ultimately being released in only about 80. Couldn't be advertised in major newspapers. Couldn't be carried by Blockbuster because of the NC-17. Because we all felt like we were a part of something special. We all believed in Trey and Matt. And we thought this was going to be really good. And all these SAG actors did it even though it was non-union because we thought, you know, it was going to be something, whatever. And, you know, that rating really kind of kiboshed a lot of that, we feel. We've talked we about this in, uh, in other episodes and certainly in other podcasts, but this comes up in a documentary called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. Uh, and, and certainly, I, think, I, th- I don't think Trey Parker's interview for that, but Matt Stone. Matt Stone. Matt Stone, Stone yes. they, talk about, they talk about South Park and this and Team America, naturally. Uh, <laughs> Team America, naturally. And, and, and what the restrictions are for movies like this that keep them from being ever seen because under a certain set of circumstances your movie will never get distribution and one of those circumstances in c17 okay how do you get nc17 and it's a very nebulous question to answer and this movie should not have been nc17 and it ends with perfectly laid up for a sequel which never happened probably (laughs) in part you know because of the rating i love this crash zoom because it's like it's like what you know what's in this movie really that isn't in boogie nights Right, you know, exactly. Let's say. Yeah. A lot of us were comparing it at the time to something about Mary. Like, why should this yeah, movie have a, a stronger rating than something yeah, about Mary? Yeah, there was, right, some, there was right. some incredibly graphic things yeah. in something about Mary. Which there's a famous story that Kevin Smith tells about. He had that idea for the bit in something about Mary with the, uh-huh. the jizz in the hair. There's like, no, that, that they'll never let me get away with that. Yes. And then years later, obviously, yeah, they, they, something about Mary comes along. Not only that, but they put it in the damn TV ads. You know, they, right, right. Not only comes yeah, the ad campaign. Exactly. Right. She's got sperm in her hair. <laughs> you may not have a tremendous amount of insight on this, but you certainly have more than I do. Do you have any idea what it was that they were latching onto about this? Or is it one of those situations where the premise of the film is too naughty for anything but an NC-17? Yeah, I think it, it had to do with the subject matter, some of the power that was worn in their superhero costumes that we'll sure. see later. Yeah. I, I can imagine Mecha- I showed up mechanized dildos. <laughs> Boogie Nights didn't go there. It's true. That's true. They didn't go into mechanized just had steampunk dildos. <laughs> it just had John C. Riley's trying to school Ricky J on magic. But I, I think <laughs> if you see to me makes it an NC-17. Yeah, yeah, that's obscene. But I think you know if you see this film has not yet been rated, you watch that, you'd be like, oh, okay. If this was a, a bigger studio release, this would have been an R for Which sure. Which is very true. You know, John Waters also talking about you know John Waters talking about and John Waters also does a. a, a one man show that's that's released as a tape a video called uh, um, 
this filthy world, which is basically him doing like a Kevin Smithy kind of thing where he talks about stuff. And he, he touches on some of that same story. He tells the same story about how he submitted you know one of his more recent films, I forget which one, but to the rating board. And the rating board, you know, instead of, well, cut this, take this out, and take that line out, the rating board just said, no, you just, you know, the very concept of your movie can't be fixed. I mean, right. <laughs> what can I change? Yeah, can't change you anything. can't change anything. It does. We can't even give you a list. We can't even tell you. It's you know, it's just we're just appalled at the nature, the fact that you made this movie at all. <laughs> we're just right. appalled. So you know, Parker and Stone seem to you know they talk about uh, the film is not yet rated. They mostly talk about Team America and of course the the poo poo scene, which you know, I know a little bit about. But uh, you know, they they seem to they treat it as a game. They seem to at least enjoy the process of of having fun with the rating board and having. I'm, I'm you know I have to go into a room and argue with grown-ups about how many titty shots we're going to have and how many shots of a guy's butt we're going to have. Um, that that does beat working in a, you know, stockbroker office, I think, and, you know, being a being a bus driver in terms of keeping your day interesting. In addition to your, your five days in front of the camera, did you spend much time just around the set? No, pretty much um, I was only on set the days I was working as an actor. Right uh, but there was a lot of after parties for this movie. It seemed <laughs> like, I would know. imagine this group of people would be... Willing to have some fun with it. Right, right. I would imagine. Because, you know, you make a movie where there's a bunch of porn stars just walking around. <laughs> Guys, we're having a party. You should probably come because it's yeah. going to be a thing. There's going to be porn stars at it, like, I think. How many more parties can we have before the chicks start showing, stop showing up? Rap parties, release parties, post party. It was, it was great. See, there you go. You do- it's, it's, you get the benefits of you know working in the porn industry without really actually being in the porn industry. You're just making a movie about the That's porn industry with a, porn industry people it's, participating. It's a meta stunt cock is what it is. Yes, yeah. Play, you, Playboy Mansion was one of the parties. There you go. Have you gotten any interesting feedback in the intervening ten years or fifteen years? Now? Absolutely. There was. Uh, I mean, there was still, even though it didn't get a theatrical release, there was definitely quite a bit of, of buzz around it, and be, you know, comp. Let's see. Add to that, you know, the popularity of South Park. I mean, people were recognizing me a good five, six years afterwards, and I look so different now than I did in Orgasmo. And really? Or, you know, in this movie, I have uh, hair, and I don't wear glasses. I now shave my head, and I wear glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, cachet, I mean, because of Trey, I'm at, oh, you were in Orgasmo. I mean, it, I mean <laughs> people people dig that. that is kinda like, it's kind of like being, you know, you knew the Beatles when they were still just playing, you know, in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Has that ever worked as a pickup line? Have you used it? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to now. You <laughs> you, you've just given me an idea that's about five years too late. Have, have, have all those, have you all seen those comments over the years been positive? Or is there ever been someone that came up to you and started slapping your face with a Bible and saying... No, this is California. So it's, 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 it's all been pretty positive. Fair enough. She is such a cutie. And if I recall correctly, and this is an IMDb thing, so it's probably apocryphal, but I guess she had only done Disney commercials by this point in her career. She hasn't done anything since, according to IMDb. How do you you pick a more chipper and naive character than a woman that's... I've done Disney commercials before. Yeah. Oh, I, you're perfect. Great. Thank not, you. Not since the girl in the ivory snow box went got into porn. You know, <laughs> Marilyn Chambers went from you know ivory snow commercials to porn star. She probably walked into the, into the casting office and they turned over her headshot, looked at her credits list, and went, <laughs> "All right, that's it. You're it." And she's one of the ones that we did cast. That wasn't a precast. So she was from auditioning. You're like, was, oh, she, she's it. She was from auditioning. Yeah. I, I get, I can, you know, it's a, it's a casting. I, I can't, uh, I have no problems understanding why. At least for the look, at, I don't know who else you saw, but uh, looking at her, like, yeah, I can buy it. I think she's exactly what you're looking for there. And, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, no. I was going to say, for the audience, um, you know, the way the casting process works, you know, you hire a casting director, they see people at first, but ultimately it's final callbacks. Like for my final callback, I was 
auditioning for Trey, for um, Frank Kazooie, one of the producers, a couple of the other producers were there, and, and they ultimately do decide. It's not this casting director is like a, a secretary for, the, for making films, if you will. They organize the pictures and resumes, they weed out the first people that aren't very good, and then when you, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, the director, producers get together, and usually the director makes the decision. Right on. I wonder what would have happened had South Park, we've, we've said that South Park became a thing right around the same time. Uh, I wonder what would have, oh, this, oh my God, this <laughs> gag is, this shows up in trailers and stuff like that, too. Give me a sign, any sign. Earthquake, any sign at all. <laughs> Just give me something. There's been a couple of things that have used that joke. I wonder, yeah. I wonder what would have happened had uh, South Park not happened the way it had, and if this would have functioned as a springboard for these guys, because at, the, at this point, they would have done Spirit of Christmas, which became a thing later. Like, people knew they were the South Park guys and went back and said, hey, that's really funny. Jesus Santa, that's funny. Between this and Cannibal the Musical, there wouldn't have been much to their clout. I wonder if this would have functioned as a springboard for them, where they're like, these guys made some... And they would have, you know... Obviously, they, they later paralleled with Troma a little bit, but I wondered if they would have gone down a similar route, where, you know, 200,000 people saw this movie and thought it was the shit and want to see their next thing, and they always have this sort of... this you know, off to the side cult status going on. Obviously it didn't work out that way and we got South Park and now Orgasmo is, by the way, when they didn't really have any money and no one knew who they were, they made this movie, you should see it. Right. Had it been the other way around, it's like Orgasmo is the, the one true blue, blue velvet yeah. thing. Whatever happened, to the, whatever right. those guys, I wonder, before they uh, disappeared. Actually, you know, it's funny, I've never seen, again, as I think I mentioned, I've never seen the earlier parts of this movie. I always catch it sort of, oh, look, Orgasmo's on and I end up watching the rest of it. Um, that joke there, exactly, the earthquake joke, um, not only has that been done, but um, the the, the uh, man with two brains did it, including the exact same punchline years earlier. Um, he, he he's talking to his uh, Steve Martin's talking to the portrait of his wife on the wall, saying, "If there's any reason I shouldn't marry Kathleen Turner, let me know." And her portrait starts to spin, and the whole room starts to catch fire. And and he watches all this happen and goes, "Any, any sign at all?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the same joke five years earlier. Well, they also you know. Not that's a reusing of a joke. Self-deprecation also occurs because there was a line in South Park that I recall saying, "Yay, Dan Bacar, I love you so there much." There he is, shooting up, Shota boy, Shota boy. There was a line in South Park where they're like, "Man, this was worse than when I got ripped off about basketball." Like, ah, yeah, because that you guys were, and that's funny. Okay, Dan Bacar cracks me up, and I and in this movie and in basketball, he's a thing, and then I've never seen him anywhere else. And in both movies, I feel like he gives this. You say he's not an actor, and I believe you, but he gives this really good grounded performance in both movies yeah I mean, he's, for, he's good at this yeah from what I recall again he was going back a while but he, he was really nice to hang out with on set and I don't recall I recall him saying he didn't have that much acting experience coming into Orgasmo and then maybe he studied a lot since but he was great in Orgasmo I mean he was in Cannibal the Musical he had a bit role in, mm-hmm. in that movie but I guess he was just one of their buddies or something but I want to see more of him because he's so freaking good in this and in basketball yeah yeah. Really, because he he looks to me like one of those people that oh I I remember him from something I just can't remember what I get that feeling from him but has he not done anything since this really we were talking about how maybe he was in Galaxy Quest I, I think he he's a, I think he's supporting Alien in Galaxy Quest I'm, that's my but bet but I, but I, not not in any, any major roles that I can think of there are probably one or two films of the last ten years that I have not seen however I haven't <laughs> seen I don't think I've seen him in anything more recently than basketball wasn't he in Rocky and Bullwinkle with Robert De Niro that's possible that's well, one of the two I didn't see seriously we're gonna have to IMDb this one because we don't uh, Life you know, off the top of our head yeah, see, there's where our NC-17 rating, I think, came out. <laughs> what about it? Oh, the, oh it's, the, it's the changing thing. I got it, yeah. yeah, <laughs> starting to, yeah the fact, you can't have a guy changing behind a screen. That's, that's, right. that's pornography. Forget that. So. 
This is the kind of this is the kind of movie where yeah you're on set you know you have to you do have to you do have to have a tremendous amount of trust because you go I this could this could destroy my career right. the fact that uh, you know and this was when was this in ninety uh, released in ninety seven I th- we probably shot it in ninety five or ninety six you know it's like we're we're, we're even. It, it still was a factor, but it wasn't even nearly the factor that it is now of, of you know, I, I, I think as an actor nowadays, uh, assuming as an actor, I'm not an actor myself, but, you know, there, there can be scenes where they go, it, the, the, just the still picture of this alone on the Internet right. could destroy me right. of what I'm doing right now. You know, it's like if this falls into the wrong hands or this t- turns out to be ludicrous instead of genius. Like Rudy Giuliani cross-dressing for uh, Yeah, for exactly. SNL. The things that can backfire on you. I just look at his IMDb, and I guess he's done a few things, a lot of uh, really obscure independent films and a couple episodes of TV. Uh, not many things. He's working on a project now called Don't Let's Start, which makes me think there's, there might be Giants movie coming out, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I just wish I'd seen him more, because he's, he's, he's really funny, and he's really good, and he plays, in both movies, he's playing sort of the same sort of downtrodden, I was never the cool guy character. Yeah. There's variations, like in basketball, he's a little bit more dorky than that, and just like, are we going to the zoo? But in both, in both situations, he's great. I love him a lot. And he's such a, like a, a quirky character type that you would think there would be plenty of roles for him alongside yeah. someone. There's no know. way this guy can't get character actor gigs. Yeah. Absolutely. He's a great look. I, I, I've always liked, I'm, one of my favorite characters has always been the, the, the producer-director guy here. The, 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 the ass-fuck twins. What are you talking about? Do you, do you, do you, what's that fellow's name? Do you know his name off the top of your head or who, what else he might have done? Because he, he looks a little familiar. The actor playing Orbison? Yeah. Max Orbison. And, uh, and uh, I, I really like him. I always thought he was just very funny. Uh, Michael way. Dean something, I want to say. Okay. Oh, and he was Dean Picard was in Galaxy Quest. Thank you. See, he's, Trey he's, Stokes he's, for the win. He's one of the little. He's, well, he's got such a distinctive face when Michael you see Dean him. Jacobs Michael was, Dean Jacobs. Michael Dean Jacobs. Yeah. Was, and what else has he done? Do we? Is he had a good list? Because he looks familiar. He's not, been making a lot of money being the cheap Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah. We can't, get get. You can't get Danny DeVito. Get the ass fuck twins. You get uh, get that guy. They're from called Morgan. the ass fuck twins. Yeah. What are you gonna call him? Ass fuck brothers. Uh, he's been in a, maybe fifteen. He's been in yeah. a twenty, a handful of projects, but nothing that. Leaps out. I just always like. I just think he's just solidly funny throughout. You know, just the he's very straight plays are very straightforward. I, it's always really enjoyed watching. Just him do what I do. Uh, okay. So a lot of these things that you're talking about with Dean and with um, Michael Dean, if this was released theatrically in 800 theaters and did better, I mean, it could have been the thing that yeah. led to those next things. That you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It worked out for Trey and Matt. But By the way, the other guys are great. If, if you don't realize this long-haired hippie dude, that's Matt Stone. That's Matt Stone. That, of course, is, you know, just in case, because you don't see Matt Stone on camera as often as you see Trey Parker in things. But that is, in fact, Matt Stone. In, in, a, in a heavy character, because Matt does not really look much like that in real life. <laughs> now, you get, there's sort of a lot of diminishing returns with, oh, I'm going to dress up for, as Orgasmo or Chota Boy for Halloween, because there's the one guy at the party that'll be like, Orgasmo or Chota Boy! And then there's everyone else at the party that's going to be like, You sick bastard. I'll make sure none of the other girls talk to you either. <laughs> 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 yeah. That, uh, okay, I, I don't get it. He looks a lot like uh, Joel Hodgson, looking at him. Who did? Uh, Dean, Dean Bashar? No, no, no. Oh, uh, uh, Trey, Trey, Trey did as yeah, he does. You know this. Joel, Joel could have done this role, yeah. <laughs> possibly. We we encounter this occasionally with comedies, but we, we get to the point where it's just I like this movie. There's not much to analyze. This isn't the prestige. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the uh, 
at its at its base level, this is your your typical monomythic story. I don't give a shit. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> well, there is what, a no. What there, Joseph Campbell do you read into Orgasmo? There is the hero's journey. There's, it is. Well, clearly, it is absolutely the hero's journey is going on in this story. Isn't they're not missing a single beat. He's he's he refused the call, he then he answered the call, the call and now he's right, in the, right. the 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 becoming phase. And I guess Chota Boy is the temptress. Weird. <laughs> no, he's just the sidekick. He's the cowardly lion. He's the animal. Yeah, he's true. the forest helper. He's the you know the gnome who is the sprite who just assists. He doesn't have a a character arc himself. Is the chief Danny DeVito then the Gandalf of this story? <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. That's, so this is all a real mansion in Beverly Hills or wherever you said. It, yes, Beverly Hills. Well, see, there you go. That's Have any of you guys ever had occasion to be privy to a situation along these lines? Either porn or something like porn? And you guys ever been in the situation where you're sort of just fly on the wall watching this happen and going, okay, so this really just happens then. Yeah. Great. For a second, I was going to answer yes, but I was like, no, that was just an episode of Entourage I saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I dreamed it. I, I sat across the table from a porn star one time. Ooh, there you that's, go. That's pretty much the closest I've gotten. That you recognized? Yeah. No, it was... Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> I know you from the internet. You're <laughs> awesome. No. Um, a friend of mine, actually, from Playhouse West, uh, we, we would go over to her to her apartment to to rehearse, and she was a stripper, and her roommate was a porn star. There you go. And All there right. it was. And then she actually ended up moving to a different house with different roommates, but we were a bunch of Playhouse West people, and I I was helping them on their short film, and she was living in this house now, and just sitting as they're shooting this short film in this backyard of this house in the valley somewhere, and just at this table outside on the on the patio, with and there's a porn star sitting across the table from me. I met <laughs> um, I, all right. I met Bella I met Belladonna if that counts. Hey, cool. Actually, shot a little clip with her for an episode of film that James Gunn directed her in PG porn. Right, because yeah, James Gunn is obviously doing a lot so, with, with so, authentic porn stars. For so his we had uh, James on the show, and I went to shoot a little surprise question, couple of questions from Bella to James, and surprised the crap out of him on the interview, and he loved it. It was great. Very cool. Nice. And now um, Trey's character is talking to DVDA in the movie. She was also an intern for the casting director. <laughs> no shit, because she's oh. so perfect. Yeah, and we, and we she's just, got I, the so jaded thing down. And here we finally get the revelation of what DVDA means. No, double vaginal, double well, us, vaginal. Us yeah. interns are actors, so it shouldn't be surprising that we're, some of us are okay. Makes sense. Yeah. All right, and that's a very common thing in Hollywood. A lot of aspiring actors or you know people trying to be acting will intern in casting. Oh, you know what? Technically, she worked for Katie's company, uh, AIA Studios, which um, actors pay to do showcases for casting directors and agents, and she was one of the salespeople for that, but also for Katie. Wow. <laughs> and here we go. Here we go. DVDA in action. DVDA and go. I was going to say, my only experience in anything along these lines is that in a photography uh, in, in terms of photography, I've done nude shoots with models before, but never anything like this. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never been. I've never been involved in. Uh, well, I ha- not in terms of porn. I, there was actually, I did have the closest I ever came was actually on of all things Pet Cemetery Two. Um, we had uh, I had this very interesting um, a moment as a puppeteer that you don't normally. I, got, I had two opportunities in Pet Cemetery. What were you doing with your hands? One was I. One was well. One was I got to uh, I got to uh, feel a woman's breast with skeletal robotic hands, um, and, and and all of my crew were like, "What was that like?" It was like poking a pillow with a stick. It was not erotic, if that's a jerk. How funny is G-Fresh? 
Oh, yeah, he's fantastic, this guy. I love And he was, for those playing the home game, and I guess I'm the only guy that's nerdy enough to know this, he was also the Indian chief in Cannibal the Musical. <laughs> oh, there you go. Now, see, there's a, there's a, there's a career path you could chart. But if you, if you happen to watch Pet Cemetery 2, I suppose we should get to that one at some point someday. It's not, it's not a noteworthy movie, but I did work on it a lot. Only after we do Pet Cemetery. Yes, exactly, <laughs> because you don't want to leave. Because that's actually a good movie. It's a good, scary movie. Um, the scene in Pet Cemetery 2. Hey, there I am. Hey, look at that! Homeboy. Never mind my story for now. Well, wait, look at you. So you got kind of the kind of the for those hey, you guys thing don't know what on. Jeff looks like. He's the one in the yellow shirt. He's the one on the left with the uh, looking like uh, uh, Torturo out of Lebowski over there. <laughs> so, so, um, what's the name of your character here? Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, wait, Tommy the Shark. Tommy the Shark. And uh, you never hear our characters' names, but Trey wanted to give all of us character names because he knew that would be helpful to us as actors to say, you know, that I played Tommy the Shark as opposed yeah, to, like, goon, goon, goon number Just one. Just go be a badass again. You know, goon number one, goon number two. The guy in the blue leather jacket, that's the one who owned the uh, house in Beverly Hills. Perfect. And who's, uh, who's the third guy? Do you remember his name? His name is Desi. Uh, good guy. The three of us got along really well. Joe, the guy in the blue leather jacket, was cracking me up. Very funny guy. <laughs> So it wasn't just hey, a, wow. it wasn't just a fact that he he owned a, a mansion. He actually oh, was good in the, in the role. It happened really fast. But did you notice me with the baseball bat breaking the sugar bre- panel there? Uh, breaking the the glass there. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, that was real glass, and I got really? like I got dust in my eyes, and it was really was that was that the scene that no one wanted like to sugar do? Glass. You're just like, and it breaks without no. That was on it. That was real glass, kind of like you know you see in the movies. I would the, the direction was to tap three times, tap 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 to break. I was so amped and so juiced up on <laughs> my first thing, the whole thing shattered. That's how come it exploded. Yeah, and flying up and. Cool. Was that the thing that no one wanted to do, or is that something? No, no, else? that's, oh, that's a, something that's else. Okay. It's much better than that. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I can't imagine. Sh- I can't wait. Be sure and clue us in when that happens. Want to break because I always get yeah. nervous on behalf of actors who have to like take a sledgehammer and break a car window or something because that's that can be dangerous. Babe. Yeah. You know that as simple as that may seem, it's not. It can be very dangerous. They just didn't have the rights. Non-union shoot. I had to pay for my own eye doctor. It's terrible. Oh man! Oh wow! <laughs> Damn you, orgasm. Is that why you wear glasses now? <laughs> That's right, exactly. No. It all fits. The universe corroborates itself. <laughs> the, uh, and feel free to cut me off you know, at any time, but the, the, the Pet Cemetery 2 story, uh, there's a scene where Anthony uh, Edwards, um, just before he went on to do ER as a star of Pet Cemetery 2, he, he was having a dream about his dead wife, and he's having a dream about how his wife has come back from the dead and he's having sex with her. And so she's on top of him. He's laying on his back in bed. He's on. T- she's on top of him, grinding. And there's a whole subplot of you know. There's a killer dog on the loose, and that was what I was involved in doing this killer dog stuff. Um, so he's she. You know, he t- she undresses, and she's topless now. And he's you know he's he's got his hands on her breasts. And then he looks up from her breasts, and her head is turned into a dog head. And she, she goes ah, and he wakes up. So we had to shoot the scene. So they went to this was shot in Atlanta, outside of Atlanta. They there's many famous strip clubs in Atlanta. Um, they went and got a stripper from Atlanta. They brought her in for the day, and she's and she was very sweet and and i'm i'm in a movie she was very excited and we're like okay so we're gonna put this dog head on you and so i had to like take this you know 22 year old girl and go okay so put this giant dog head on and now i'm going to crouch behind the bed while all this is happening with my cable control to make the jaw go ah, ah, you know make it open and close and now and so we're in an empty sound stage with a mattress a stunt double guy because it's all his hands and we don't need anthony edwards himself so it's just it's anthony edwards stand in laying on his back embarrassed out of his mind because a stripper he just met two minutes ago is on top of him grinding away topless he's got to feel her up and put his hands all over for his, her breasts, and she's got this dog head on, and the director's sitting over in the you know corner looking at the monitor, going, "Okay, action. <laughs> okay, faster, and tilt up, and tilt down, and Trey, when they tilt up, pull to make the jaw open, and tilt up, 
until town. Let's go again. And, you know, and it's, you know, <laughs> these, poor, these poor actors are just like, you know, the girl can't see. She doesn't know what's going on. Um, and, then, and then at one point, and this was one of the cruelest things, and I've worked with Jim Cameron. This is one of the cruelest things I've ever seen a director do to an actor um, because I thought it was just so callously, carelessly cruel, and it really stuck in my mind, and strangely enough, is um, – uh, uh, it was uh, Mary Lambert was the director, and she's over there, you know, miles away, while sitting there with the, with the monitor watching. And uh, something just kind of struck her funny, you know. And it wasn't even necessarily it's just sort of like, you know, this is kind of silly what we're doing or whatever the context of it. Um, and so she starts laughing with her little cronies over by the monitor, and you know, kind of oh, cut, 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 <laughs> and they're all cracking, cracking. And I'm sitting there by the bed, and this poor this girl with a dog head on, literally like the little dog head went. Hmm. Like it tilted Aww. down because she was like, oh, I guess I'm not doing this very well, or I'm doing something wrong, or what. And I literally like, I'm right, I'm the closest human, and I'm like, no, they're laughing at something else. It's cool. You're cool. You're doing great. It looks awesome. It looks really good. I'm I'm giving her moral support. And they say chivalry's dead. <laughs> you know. And I'm like, this this is one of the weirdest puppet gigs I've ever done. I have to say, this is one of the weird moments in my puppetry career. I'm sitting so with later the top- in your life when you worked with Trey Parker. <laughs> exactly. The topless girl with the dog head, and I'm, Dean you know. is so intense in this scene. Uh, he's he's, he's really this. good. He's really he's really good. Effing good. Yeah. And it, it, it comes back to again, you know, time and time again. It comes, you can't you can't hit that nail harder. It's like it doesn't matter how crazy, ridiculous, you know, scatological, obscene your movie is. If you've got characters that believe in what's happening and actors who make you believe those characters believe what they feel. You can make a movie out of that. That'll I, work. I know it's TV, but I always use uh, Ed O'Neill for uh, Al Bundy. You know, yeah. as, as that kind of, as an example of that. You know, he, yeah. he brings truth to it. Yeah, you really you know, as crazy it is, especially sitcoms because sitcoms, successful sitcoms are really kind of farce, and farce is so unlike real life. You know, Three's Company was just farce week right. after week after week, and farce is not real. Um, doing farce well is actually hard. I've been um, watching a, a Frasier recently, and it's it's very much that situation that scenario because it's these yeah. absurd, absurd situations that they get themselves in time and time again, and it's really only the conviction of those really amazing actors, Kelsey yeah. Grammer and, and John Mahoney, and the rest of them that really sells the fact that they can get in these absurd situations over and over again for 10 years and still you buy it. Yeah. I'd be curious to find out how they got this movie made. Because, you know, it's it's hard to get a movie made if you're anyone, let alone I've done one thing that 100 guys in Colorado know. If I remember correctly, Trey was already repped by William Morris. Um, he was like, he was one of those guys that was touted as like, you know, maybe the next big thing. So there was a lot of people that believed in him. And I guess, um, you know, Kazooie Enterprises, I, I'm not sure who put them together, but they did. And you get a movie. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and the only Universal only blew a million and some on it. So it's like, eh, make like, a small one. And for those out there, William Morris is like one of the three big super agents. Back then, they may have been even bigger than they are now because obviously William Morris merged with Endeavor. But, yeah, so to, to have that kind of backing and to have that kind of touting and belief. And Cannibal was a little success. And they'd already done your studio and you. They kind of were, you know, on the inside already with Universal people. I don't so think on. we've talked about your studio and you on this show. I didn't talk no, about you, no, you plugged out another one. And, uh, I know someone, and yeah, yeah, it may have been probably that. Someone, oh, I know so someone funny. looked it up as a result of that. It's, and it's bizarre because we live right next to the bland black building now. <laughs> I can see it from my porch when I have cigarettes. It's like, hey, there it is. I, I kind of forget what they call it. Do they call it the Orgasmatron or the Orgasmator? Like Orgasmator or something like that. Whatever they call it, they had to change the name because the other, their original name for it was the Orgasmatron like, is from was, Sleeper. Was yeah, it was already taken or something. The orga- yeah. Well, it's called the Orgasmatron. That's a major joke from Woody Allen's movie Sleeper, which is one of his classic early films. 
um, the orgasmatron is looks like a giant water heater that you can step inside of and and presumably have an orgasm inside because you walk inside and it just shakes and whoever's inside just oh, <laughs> then you step out again. So it's how people in the future have sex. They just go into this machine for two seconds together and come out and go, oh, that was awesome. Okay, and they move on. It's called the orgasmatron. We've all talked about this before, but Jeff, I mean, are you a fan of Trey Parker and Matt Stone? What are, what are your what's your favorite of theirs? Oh, uh, is it this just because of your proximity no, no. to it? A uh, huge South Park fan. Great, huge South Park. Great. Fan. Um, love the South Park movie. Um, like you know, really like Team America. I would rate Orgasmo behind those three projects for me. Cool. I really the hard you know as you guys have probably talked about before um, with filmmaking. There's the script you write, the script you shoot, and the script you edit. Those are three different movies. Mm. Probably, in all honesty, the hardest I laughed at Orgasmo was at the table read. Really, it was so freaking funny. Yeah, I mean, we just all had the most amazing time, and I, I enjoyed the movie. I don't know if I don't know if by the time I saw the movie, I'd read the script five million times or, or whatever. You know, so sometimes you, you just it was you just a lot get of with returns. It. Yeah, but I definitely enjoyed the movie. But yeah, no South Park. I can re- almost everything you guys talk about. I can reference a South Park episode to illustrate an example of what we're talking yeah. about. You know, by this point, yeah, what haven't they done on South Park? Oh. But, <laughs> that's just wrong. This is going to be wronger, though. <laughs> this is this, oh man, this is funny. And by the way, as we as we've as we've mentioned, I'm sorry, I'm getting all lost in the yeah. movie there. It's Action, just go for yeah, it. Anyway, so one take, one take. <laughs> Boy, that that cop actor's <laughs> committing to the scene beautifully. That's fantastic. The this this uh, there you go. This this movie right there. I think this qualifies as uh, as we keep referencing one of our standard references um, is the and we're taking it from Blake Snyder, the Save the Cat uh, screenwriting guru. Um, the one piece of magic is what we've come to call it, where it's like you know. This is a fairly grounded, realistic, silly, farcical, but still realistic story. There's not aliens flying around this movie. There's not witches and wizards, you know, and ghosts in this movie. But somehow, Sidekick Boy has invented a gun that makes you have an orgasm. Right. You know, that's the movie's one piece of magic. It's like, okay, but he has a gun that makes people orgasm. Okay, moving on. That's it. You know, and uh, as we keep as we keep uh, stressing, oh dear lord, as we keep stressing, you know, it's like a movie can get away with that if it only does it one time. You know, it's like, see, the uh, the aliens are real. Okay, that's that's it. Now I'm going to tell you. My story i'm not going to pull any other rabbits out of a hat or make you believe anything else that's it um so this this movie i believe is only the only piece of magic is there really is a gun that makes you come <laughs> that's that's the one thing that we're going to make you have to buy to make this movie work comedy is 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 restraint in context and i think a perfect example of that like even even at other points in my life i would come back to you're going to make me come or i'm going to kick your butt <laughs> An exercise in restraint, <laughs> where any, anything else would be... That's kind of a funny sentiment. The actual wording of the... I, if I recall correctly, uh, another IMDb thing might be apocryphal, but he's telling, like, the aristocrats right here or something. <laughs> some terrible, terrible joke. <laughs> It'd be perfect if it was the aristocrats. Uh, two post-orgasmo connections for me. Um, about five or six years after Orgasmo, I contacted the director of photography from it, who I said at one of the after parties, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm going to put together money and I want to make an independent film, and I'd love for it to be, you know, for you to DP it because I just loved his disposition, how he worked with the actors and so forth. So that happened. Walking the Walk, you can get on uh, Netflix. And DVD- Walking the Walk, it's called? Yeah. Okay. And uh, DVDA uh, in this movie uh, played my mother in Walking the Walk. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Is she cool? Yeah, it's very cool. Wow, does she talk fondly about this movie, or was she <laughs> was she scarred? You know, no, no, she loved it. Yeah, no, she was great. Cool. And Polly Shore's dad, Sammy Shore, p- played my dad in the movie. In my movie. Nice. What a weird little town. Polly Shore's mom is Mitzi Shore of Comedy Store fame. Yes? That's right. Yeah. yeah. 
Hey, look, Orgasmo, the DVD of all things. <laughs> it's a movie within a movie within a movie. How can there be Orgasmo, the tape? We're still in the middle of making. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good Halloween costume. Someone, should, someone needs to wear that costume more often. I've, I've seen it. I saw it at the West Hollywood Halloween party last year. And did you and did you give the person props and I, go? I said, "Dude, mo- well, you know, in West Hollywood, the problems that you would have in your run-of-the-mill party wouldn't be an issue right. because there are people dressed up as far worse things than like right. an S and M thing with a dildo on their head. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not like that guy stands out. Right. It's true. If you've been to a Hollywood political party, it's like Orgasmo is the farly, farly the least like, scary hey, costume. Nice. My old yeah. joke is uh, the most confusing day of the year in Hollywood is Halloween because you don't know who's in costume and who's just dressed <laughs> the way they're dressed. Right. You know? so, <laughs> nice speedo and roller skates. What, what speedo? Oh, this. Oh, I, yeah. I wear this when I work out. Sometimes. I'm going to Seven Eleven. What do you want? Yeah, can I pick you up something? What do you? Let's just be out shopping. Yeah, so another cool thing about uh, working for Trey on set, he was very cool with um, improving. You know, sometimes on low-budget oh, sets, it's, it's harder to do that because, you know, you really have to make your budgeted. You have to make your days. You can't run over. But uh, he was very laid back, very cool. If he liked something, he'd let you do it. If he didn't, um, mm. you know, he was just very, very cool. Very easy going. Now, my experience on on I was going to say, I wonder how you guys' experience. Yeah, I was going to say contrary, you know, because my experience on on Team America, of course, which is a much larger scale movie, and Trey had to be much more. You know, I'm the director, and I have to sit here and make a thing. And, and people are always hammering me with questions. It's not like I really had a personal relationship with him. I was able to speak to him a couple of times, and that was about it. But mostly, it was like I'm leaving that guy alone because clearly he's got a lot on his plate. Uh, Matt was the more accessible one. Matt would kind of be out working with the crew and kind of going, "Hey, you know," he literally was kind of like very much like what he is in this in in this movie. But hey. So I had an idea. So what? Here's my idea. What if the and he would like so just have these the idea guy and he would you know one in a thousand would like actually get approved by Trey was the experience <laughs> I had. He go so Trey, I was thinking, what if you know? And he Trey would just sit there and go, well, you know, because so, because a movie like that you know is is all the more what you're talking about about you know we're so locked into right. it has to be this because and, people have spent a month building this and and Lloyd Kaufman who those guys. Uh, you know, very closely. They looked up to his work at Trauma all the years. Um, Lloyd has these DVD series, Make Your Own Damn Movie, Direct Your Own Damn Movie, and on it I've seen interviews with Trey and Matt, so I'm just kind of repeating what I saw on there, not from any kind of first-hand knowledge of talking to them. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed like, yeah, they didn't know what they were buying into with Team America World Police in terms of the pressure, in terms of working with the puppets, in terms of yeah, all of that. very technical, that and, and it's difficult to so work that way. I think, uh, in a way, that, that seemed like Again, just guessing. It seemed like that was a lot more pressure to them than orgasmo. It's, it's. I've seen that happen before, and it's like I, said, I don't have a. I don't think my experience of of Trey Parker is any kind of real experience of who he is. You know, I know he's a very talented guy, but I really don't have any personal connection with him. Um, some people don't. Again, they don't realize. And we've talked about this in the Team America commentary about how they they kind of slammed puppets afterwards and it's like well dude if you, you ask me it's like you didn't know how to work with puppets you know it's like and i've had that experience before especially over the past decade with with directors who for the first time do a visual effects movie and you know they just don't quite get the needs of a visual effects movie um i worked with a great director who i think is very talented and a great guy very you know, a guy i like a lot uh, donald petrie who um directed he directed like uh, grumpy old men you know, so and he was an actor himself formerly, um, and he comes from a, a, you know his dad. His dad directed Twelve Angry Men, and you know his his his, his, dad, his brother is the president oh, of the writers. Coming to mess with G Fresh. Okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs> but um, so, but he was you know his his way of working was to get in a room with you know Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon and point a camera at them and go go. You know what else do you need? Um, and then when it came to visual effects, he was you know he wanted to improvise, and we we're like you can't improvise with visual effects. 
So you've already broken the glass in this place once already. What are you going to do this time? Now I'm going to break you fresh. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> damn. With an aluminum bat. Oh, let me tell you, I was, they had me, I was going to town with that baseball bat. People were a little freaked out by the time they finally said cut. <laughs> okay, Jeff, that's it. Thanks. But as you guys... very weird energy after the fact. <laughs> yeah. You go to the craft table and everybody's just like, whoa. That's good, good, Jeff. That's yeah. good job. Yeah. I mean, they're showing a small portion of it, but... Look at the we veins on your face. Nice. Damn. <laughs> people were asking, people asking me, my veins are prosthetic. No, that those are my <laughs> those are my real veins. I thought it was CG. When I laugh and get angry, yeah, the veins in my yeah, forehead start just, pulsing. They your forehead. Start, That's sweet. It looks like my head's going to explode. So, I'm presuming they set up some kind of little thing below camera for you to smack with yeah. your baseball bat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it wasn't actually G Fresh <laughs> no. you were beating on. No. Now I'm guessing in movie speak, you know, this this was I presume shot. You know, five minutes since the last time, the last scene we were in, which right. was days earlier. But uh, you know, this is uh, how many? You said five days on the set total is what you did. Mm-hmm. I imagine the G Fresh sushi shop was a day. Is <laughs> my guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you just go out, you put a different shirt on, you come back in, go again. At this point in your career, were you focused on acting? Yes, absolutely. I was uh, solely. I, I really hadn't. Maybe I'd written a couple of um, spec sitcoms by this point. I hadn't written any uh, feature scripts yet. And um, I was <laughs> nice dummy work. I, I, I was interning for the casting director for the sole purpose. Sure they have gotten better with puppets. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, of uh, you know, of getting auditions, and I got Orgasmo through that office. Um, Young and the Restless, um, an episode of a kids show called Beetleborgs. Um, Heard of that show? Op- uh, Saban, same people that do the Power Rangers. Cool. So, when did you get a naked at, at that point in your life? What did Orgasmo represent for your career? Orgasmo represented hope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, like I said, we all thought this was going to get a theatrical release, maybe a sequel. You know, some more things that ultimately did, other than nice, you know, party buzz conversation. <laughs> if these guys can make a movie, then anyone can get a movie made. They can make this movie. This, this girl's part, this, literally this actress's part so far has consisted of sitting in this chair and talking on the phone and rolling around in what is clearly someone's backyard that's about seven feet wide. That's <laughs> their whole love montage was shot in like one piece of grass. Now, you remember the yeah. montage on South Park that they make fun of montage? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. They do it in Team America yeah. as well. But she, so far, she hasn't, you know, I wonder how many days she was on the set. I mean, she, she, I know she, she's much more prominent at the end. So, you know, that's when her, her, her right. character has more to do. But so far, she, all she's done is sat in the chair and talk on the phone and roll around in the on Brian the grass. Brian's laughing at theater jokes. I'm sorry, I missed earlier when I guess he lied to her and said he was in Death of a Salesman and now he has to tell her that he's in the sequel. <laughs> but she knows enough that she knows that she he knows dies at the end. There's not a sequel to Death of a Salesman. It gets very Hamlet. It's like a whole thing where the ghost and I don't know. <laughs> just digging a deeper and deeper hole here. Just just goes to show. But see, when you when you lie, it just comes back. We had to read Death of a Salesman in high school, and I remember none of us would actually do the reading, and we would sit around before class and talk about it, so everybody was like kind of on the same page going into the class. And so we were doing that, and it's like, and somebody was describing it. So yeah, and then at the end when he dies, and somebody was nope. shocked and like, he dies at the end, and somebody else just looked at him and went, "Death of a Salesman." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Spoiler. One of the smallest funny lines I'll remember from my over 100 plus episodes of Film Nut is I'm um, talking to the guy who runs it, Brian Grammo. Oh, yeah. And, and for some reason, I have a, an editor who worked on uh, with Tarantino on Pulp Fiction and some of his movies and stuff. And so we're about to talk about Pulp Fiction. Brian says, spoiler alert. And I just started cracking up. I'm like, the movie came out in 94. Yeah, no, I think the statute haven't seen of limitations. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're talking about what is the statute of limitations? <laughs> you know, is, it, is it, you know. 
I still I, tell, I, I still get a little twinge when people go, Rosebuds was the sled. And, and that was like 70 years ago. It's like, well, it still seems wrong because, you know, it's not like people are going to go, oh, I'm going to go see that new spanking movie, uh, you know, Citizen Kane. But, I think, like, I but think people should discover Citizen Kane and people who haven't seen it and many people today haven't, you don't want them to I know think that. I statute of limitations has to do with how popular the movie was, not when it came out. True If enough. everyone saw Star Wars, then you can say Vader's his father. Right. But, but not everyone's seen Citizen Kane, especially not now. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you don't know by now that uh, you know whether or not you ever have or will see Star Wars, that uh, that yeah. Darth Vader's Luke's father. The decision has been made. Whether or not it's yes or no, it's not going to change. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Do you think Trey Parker still has that costume in his closet somewhere? <laughs> Just hanging in the back. Uh, maybe like Where's it on the treadmill? Oh, God. He looks like a... He, speaking of Power Rangers, he reminds me of one of those bad guys on that show. <laughs> I have to say that I, I, I probably should at some point, you know, soon make a make a porn parody just so I get to, you know, have, have actresses on, on, on stage <laughs> who look like this without feeling guilty that I'm making something sleazy. We're mocking porn and, and this kind of movie. Well, completely off subject. But you it's parody. Me, it's legitimate. Yeah. You reminded me of something I wanted to ask the amazing one. Uh-oh. Which is, uh, will, will Pink Five possibly be entering a wormhole and passing through Pandora anytime <laughs> oh, God. in the future? That would, I, not, not at those prices. I, mean, I don't know how technologically we would even do it. We, 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 we've made mild jokes when we, were, when we were doing the Enterprise, when we were appearing on Enterprise. Um, we, we, did, we did the one thing. Um, at the time we were doing our Enterprise episode, Amy and I were appearing on as extras on the Enterprise. They were prepping to shoot or had just shot the... They go back in time to the original series Enterprise. And so they had this... You know, it was amazing to be able to walk onto not just the current Enterprise Bridge, but a reproduction of the original Enterprise Bridge, in which they like uncreated the original captain's chair and like okay, and the, so that was kind of badass. Like wow, you know, it's like it's not really, really, really the original bridge right. of the Enterprise, but it is as close as there's ever going to be. Um, and we we actually did talk about sneaking Amy onto it for one second when nobody was there, just to get one shot of her like sitting in the captain's chair, and we were just going to have her like real quick grab it and like look around and go. Oh no! Like, like <laughs> right. and, you know, to suggest that we're going to launch into this whole series of Star Trek parodies, you know, I never do it, of course. <laughs> but uh, that's as close as we've ever come to, uh, to talking about spinning Pink Five into other worlds. So no Navi Pink Five. <laughs> no, I certainly have not given that one bit of thought. I don't think the problem uh, is that you're on down in front where they can't wait for it. See you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> well, speaking of orgasmo, it occurs to me that that was great. Speaking of Orgasmo, it occurs to me that this movie doesn't really outlay what Judd Apatow is doing at this point. I mean, this this feels – we just – a couple of years ago had a movie called Zack and Mary Make a Porno, which is Kevin Smith and Judd Apatow. But it's very similar in tone. It's it's There's not a lot of nudity. The, the, the jokes aren't about what we can show you, although I guess Kevin Smith – Yet again, didn't clear the bar, but whatever. It's not about it, this. This movie, it just it boggles the mind that it, it it didn't have a different history. I guess if it if it came out now, it would have been received differently. I guess the internet would have had a lot to do with that. But at, at this point, none of this movie seems anything but tame. Right. It's so bizarre that they would go with NC seventeen, and I get it. And it and it the, the the lack of distinction is what really annoys the hell out of me. It's because this movie doesn't feel like. Anything that Kevin Smith or Judd Apatow wouldn't have been doing for the last insert number of years, and yet you, you can people that are into film and into comedy and understand the, the nature of jokes like this movie makes, you'll go, "Have you seen Orgasmo?" And they're like, "What's that? That sounds weird. What is that?" And it's like you should have seen Orgasmo. Oh yeah. my god! It's such a, 
I'm a huge fan of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. What do you think of Orgasmo? I mean, What's you, that? You guys think this would, have, this would you think this would have gone differently if it came out now? Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it also wouldn't have been as I don't know if edgy is the right word, but it wouldn't have been culty. It would have been out there. You know, it's culture is definitely cumulative, and things that were offensive however many years ago aren't necessarily offensive now things that were gen- may have been genius 40 years ago don't qualify as genius blows, watch- blows my mind to this day when I hear a character on network TV say that sucks I'm like whoa that kills me you <laughs> well, know? You know, like, like, I remember when Captain Kirk said let's get the hell out of here and I almost fell off my chair at the age of 7 he said hell on television he actually said hell as an expression Not you can talk about it's the same thing it's like you can talk about hell as in that's where the devil lives but if you were to say let's get the hell out of here you know it's like I just saw a television moment just there. We, uh, <laughs> the guy just said hell. We watched Easy Rider here not too long ago, and uh, we were just blown away by, like, that was yeah. that was groundbreaking. That, that, that horrified the older people of that movie. <laughs> what? Yeah. It, it was just amazing that anybody would have ever considered that genius. And I'm sure, you know, in the 60s, it was. But, you know, looking at it from your different period in history... And you can't you can't avoid that. You you have your own particular lens, which is very tied. You know, you have your own lens that you view the world through, and you, that's tied to who you are, and which is itself tied to how you grow up. But to like both your points, I think because there are a lot of South Park fans that never heard of this movie. Yeah, I think if it, it was to get released today in theaters with an R rating, it would probably do better in two weeks than it's previous. Yeah, it never gross, did. Yeah, know? it never did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Now that's that, that's that's what they should do. They should just re-release it from the makers of South Park. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> They just put it out there again. What's to stop them? They've kind of... There's another aspect of that that we didn't touch on, but for better or for worse, Trey Parker and Matt Stone have sort of sculpted what comedy culture is at this point, which they had not done when this movie came out. Oh, this is the scene where I think I do what... Um, oh, the, the, the thing? Other, what's the, the gag? The other the th- well, let's find out. Whatever. The thing that no one else would do. <laughs> That's weird. Let's find out. What does this look? Is that, is that a is that a fish? Is that like a lizard tank in the background? <laughs> you make a good grease ball. Oh, I gotta thanks. say, I gotta say, you make an excellent grease ball there. Yeah, with my Steven Seagal wannabe look going <laughs> that's on. So, that's what that's what I was thinking. It was like this kind of a Steven Seagal kind of. Uh, what game are you playing? Oh, I was uh, right. I was a little nervous because this was the first thing I shot post nose job, and, oh, I t- wow. and I take a pop right here, and I was like, "Please don't damage my new nose." It's <laughs> <laughs> cost me a lot of money. <laughs> Look at this shit. Damn, nice. Yeah, Turn it down on the guy. <laughs> here it comes. Giddy moaning. Giddy. Well, there was the nose shot. There was. A- so the actor now watch me in the background. Dean D- just hitting me for like an hour, like a, like a punching piece. We're doing a workout on yeah. you. I was getting tired. So your grimacing was probably not method. That's right. <laughs> I was getting he's tired. He's a little man, but he's wiry. Damn, he's going to town <laughs> he's there. Spry. So do we have the th- the thing was that you know it's going to happen. Oh, we haven't done it yet. Oh, okay, yeah. there we go. I see. I was going to say, well, everyone you know is yeah. feigning an orgasm, but everyone has to do this in this movie. So. So again, we're following the hero's journey just perfectly. So, ow! Yeah. 
Here it is. <laughs> that looks like the really- Here it oh, is. <laughs> getting slapped in the face with a dildo. Oh, <laughs> nice. It's kind of a good mob moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And another actor didn't want to do that scene. Yeah, the, the guy with the the guy who owned the house in Beverly Hills. Oh, doesn't they realize that that's a career making scene? Yeah. I mean, that's the that can be a scene that uh, you could be remembered for forever. Classy enough. To not want to get slapped in the face with a dildo, you would have a house in Beverly Hills like that. And that's maybe that's the difference between you guys. Of the five days that I was on set, that was the hardest the crew was laughing. <laughs> I can imagine. So. I just like the little slapping. Jeez, look at those guys go. Did did you have? I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but dildos are kind of heavy, and you know, did you actually get smacked in the face with it? That seems kind of dangerous. Did you have a stunt dildo for that? I don't remember it hurting at all. I was. I was just really into it. I mean, yeah. I mean, in those all, situations, you kind of just go with it. You just yeah. kind of you enjoy it. Oh, I mean, okay. and, and Fair it was, enough. I, mean, I wasn't I mean, directed at all. All those disgusting, horrified faces I was making. <laughs> yeah. it, it was my interpretation of a homophobic goomba getting yeah. hit with a dildo. That's, uh, that's a stretch, I imagine, to try and you know express horror at that. It's actually kind of nice. <laughs> okay. There he is. That's curses. <laughs> That's good. Curses. Who says that? <laughs> there we go. Exactly. You call him on it. How perfect. Who so how much like of that? this? How much you said that the, uh, that Trey was cool with improv? How much of this was in the script? And I, I, you know, obviously you were just around for those scenes that you were in. But oh yeah, I mean most of it was great. Like there's for, a lot of little gags in those. Scenes. I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, I don't know if you, if you guys saw it, but there's a line where I'm getting up from the poker table and I'm approaching Chota Boy and I say, "Come here, you little whatever you are." Mm-hmm. That was. That was my line. There was there was no line, and it felt like it needed for me as the actor at the time. It felt yeah. like I, I wouldn't just say something. Not, I would say something. Yeah. So I just threw that out there, and so you yeah. literally called him a little whatever you are. Yeah. He just said yeah. no one. I don't even know what to call you. Yeah. That's, that, that fits. That makes sense. Yeah, she finally got out of the chair. <laughs> it's, this actress finally gets out of the chair and gets to show up and in the movie. That's why she's so excited. Because I'm I'm in a scene with somebody. I actually get to be in a scene. I'm guessing she, you know they're three feet away from the patch of grass where they shot that whole love montage that we saw earlier, but they're in the same backyard. <laughs> My God, she she does play amped up pretty darn well, doesn't she? <laughs> oh, she's great. Yeah. What was her name? Do you remember her name? Uh, Lynn Robin, I think. Lynn Robin. Robin Lynn. Robin. I got Lynn. it backwards. There you I go. Think. Okay. Ah, okay. She's Robin Lynn. Yes. I thought Robin Lynn was a porn actress. Oh, I might nope. be. We, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm I'll check on the but. Okay, because that's why I thought. She doesn't look that's like why I thought actor. that first actress. Was, I was like, oh, well, who's Rob? Okay, Robin Lynn is a good porn name. Yeah, it is a good yeah, porn is a good name. Porn I was name. thinking that. Yeah, she doesn't strike me as a legitimate, actual, real world porn actress though. This actress, she doesn't have quite the look that I would imagine. But I guess it's possible. IMDb has exactly one Robin Lynn, and she was Miss Crew on Starship Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> she was who on Starship Troopers? Miscellaneous Crew. Miscellaneous okay. Crew doesn't okay. say what she did. Oh, here we go. Robin Lynn Rab. Oh, there you go. Yeah, oh. that's right. And she was Lisa. Okay. Oh, uh, look at that credit list. <laughs> <laughs> she was in an episode of Hey Dude, and that's all. That's okay. it. There you go. Yeah. Two credits. Orgasmo and Hey Dude. So not quite the career break she thought it yeah, was going to be. Yeah, unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's good in she this. She does a great job. Not that everyone in this movie isn't fantastic. The girls, all the girls are great in this movie. <laughs> fantastic. That's uh, a cup. About fifteen of us shared a condo at uh, Sundance when we were promoting the, when they were promoting the movie there. I was going to ask you, how, well, after this movie came out, what happened? What was the, what was the course of things that you're like this might this might blow up might blow up might blow up? Well, the big thing is we were all waiting to hear what the rating was going to be. You know, because we we knew so it, was, it must have been pretty crushing when it yeah. came out. It's like yeah, 1917. We can't do yeah. anything about this. 
Zoidberg. <laughs> Zoidberg looking good there. You said a lot of parties and, I guess, Sundance, really? Uh, well, at, you know, at Sundance, they organized uh, a condo that anyone who was in the movie who wanted to go can just go crash. And there was about 15 or 20 of us. That's where I met Lloyd, <laughs> Co- Lloyd Kaufman, who hasn't appeared yet from Troma. He is in the movie towards the end. And that was where I first met Lloyd. Um, he came down. It was great. It was a ton of fun. There was a there was a release party at the Playboy Mansion. There was rap parties. There was all kinds of events around it. And you know, Trey and Matt were getting progressively bigger and bigger at these events as South Park was finding its legs, if you will. And they just seemed as down to earth and as cool as ever. Every any time I ran into them, well, that's good. Brian, is this the way you expected it and remembered it to be? <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like we're at least I personally am falling into that trap of comedies that we're not supposed to fall into, where you just just watch. There's nothing it. really to say, and then you just fall into watching it. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Oh, you, you noticed the box there called Happy Tarts. They, <laughs> oh yeah, they could What's not that? they could not work out the product placement deal with Pop Tarts because <laughs> oh. in, in, in the script it was written as Pop Tarts. And I don't know if the scene made it into the movie or wound up being on the cutting room floor, but there's some scene where I'm talking about Pop-Tarts, and I've, about two or three takes in a row, I kept saying Pop-Tarts. You know, they're like, Jeff, we didn't get to do, you got to say Happy Tarts or whatever it, whatever it was, yeah. Speaking of other deleted features and stuff like that, <laughs> and I, happy I, tarts. I, I recall, I, I was going to mention this, and I'm glad I remembered. There's a special feature that's like a the special edition trailer, and they put, I guess they put t-rex or like job of the hut in it all over the place just the joke was it came out right after the special edition was coming out and they just started dropping job of the hut and all <laughs> all these different clips and uh, i guess who did the uh the job of the hut lee stringer right. or i guess he had something to do with it he might have been the only guy he might not have been but no jesus hands. <laughs> pulp jesus <laughs> If I remember correctly, one of the two casting directors for the film uh, works in this store. We'll see in a moment. Is this a laser blazer? Or whatever laser blazer was at the time? No, I guess the shelves kind of look like it. Yeah, that's uh, Tom, one of the two casting directors I was interning for. Okay. Oh, there's a trauma sign there in the background. There you go. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. (laughs) Here they are. <laughs> the the yeah. thing I remember most from the movie. <laughs> the ass fuck twins. Unfortunately, I did not get to read them. Aww. Now, was there an extensive search for <laughs> the ass fuck twins? Or, you, know? you were in the casting department on a movie with a lot of porn stars in it. Was there no anecdotes to speak of? I mean, come on. <laughs> they, those were all pre. Those were all cast by the time it came to Katie and Tom. Now, are these are these uh, are these just you know actors models? Or are these real porn stars? Are there porn stars cameos there, other, other than Ron Jeremy going on here? No, there's definitely a, a few porn stars in there. If you get to the IMDb and, and you say some of the names, I'll remember which ones they were. Um, yeah, definitely some porn stars that were in this. I'd like to see more of the work of the Ass-Fuck Twins, I'll tell you that. This is the scene I remember most from my small glimpses of this movie over <laughs> game. This is this very funny exchange of the, you know, the, what, you, what else are you going to call him? Because the Ass-Fuck Twins, and, uh, that's the names. Which I have had, you know, similarly odd movie studio <laughs> stage conversations. You know, sometimes you go, well, you know, but the blob doesn't do that. The blob would only do this. You know, it's like I'm... When Sing you go it. to Orgasmo on IMDb, you're on the front. You're on like the the, the short list as opposed to the view everyone else that was in this movie. Congratulations! Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, since this, Jeff has done a lot of film nut. <laughs> film nut would be the uh, web show about filmmaking. A whole a shit ton of film nut. <laughs> cool. Yeah. 
and walking and sexiest w- women of reality TV. That, that was a, a calendar. I'm, I'm friends with Bess Delarchik, who is a cast member on The Real World, uh, the second season, and she's done a boatload of the Real World World Rules challenges. She does a Sexiest Woman of Reality calendar every year, and she sells the making of that as a on-demand pay-per-view type of special deal. Mm-hmm. So I helped her out on her last one. So I did see a lot of reality boobs on that, working on that shoot. Well, there you go. So, okay, so there you go. There's an answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I want Mythbusters to do an episode about all this stuff. <laughs> Could there really be an orgasinator or a cock rocket? <laughs> cock rocket. That's a nice cock rocket there. That's beautiful. There's, there's good low-budget visual effects. Yeah, T, you're so right. Watching this years later, it's even more ridiculous now, the NC-17 rating. Yeah, it's like, what, what on earth of this so far is even close to an NC-17, the way you look at it now? This is an R for language, that's all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there has been... Like I said, there is like a maybe ten frames of female nudity before it's gone, yeah. which could be fixed, and everything else is dudes' asses and innuendo. Dick jokes. That's it. Yeah, innuendo and language. And, and for it. the audience, I know Trey and Matt. I think I didn't say this when we were on. I think I said it before. They kept trying to resubmitting it to the MPAA, removing a frame, resubmitting it, removing more and more. So they kept saying no, NC seventeen. So they put most of the stuff back in. So, yeah, they just won't work. And make, it makes you wonder what the difference is between this, the theatrical version, and the unrated cut. That's right. Yeah, what, what on earth could else, could else be in this thing? I guess we'll have to. We might have to check that out just to see. It's the unrated version of an NC-17 film. That's so right. So go to the, 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 the ass-fuck triplets suddenly is, show up or whatever. Brian, what does it say on the DVD? It says, what are the two versions? Uh, it says here, two versions of the film. One's naughty, the other's nasty. Either way, your girlfriend won't approve, is what it says. <laughs> so, so my, I guess, my girlfriend I guess, approves. I go, this is naughty. I guess, oh, hey, look who it is with the happy tarts. Oh, yeah, your happy tarts. Tarts. yeah, it didn't get cut. There you yeah, go. Everyone's having the happy tarts. Magic of radio. Just imagine that Jeff's wearing that exact shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all good shirts. Everyone's wearing good shirts there. Those are the kind of shirts you hope to walk away from the movie and be able to keep. So the mansion was in Beverly Hills. Was uh, any part of this shot in, in San Fernando Valley, the actual home of... Yeah. Uh, where where the they really make all the porn, <laughs> the porn capital of the world? I don't know. Um, one funny story about the guy who owned the mansion. One time, all, our, my call time was always the same as his, because whenever he was in the movie, I was in the movie, and vice versa. <laughs> the three little goons that we were. But he lived there, didn't he? But he, but he lived there. So <laughs> the call time was like 11 or 12 a.m., or 11 a.m. or noon or something like that, for, for the three of us. But because he lived there, he was sleeping while they were working downstairs to prep for the day. So the PA, like every half hour starting 8 o'clock, was trying to wake him up just to get ready. And he's like, my call time's not for three hours. Leave me alone. I, I'll be there so be quick there, once you know? I wake up. But you know how PA sometimes just always, they always want to be busy. They always have yeah. to be doing something. So like whenever he probably reached yeah. like a moment where he didn't have something to do, yeah. he's right. let's go knock on his door and see if he's up. You know? If he needs you in three hours, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll walk down the stairs in three hours. It's well. It's, it's for me. It's very similar to my experience in doing down in front because these guys live here, you know. And they're like, "Well, it would say twelve thirty. Oh, I'm sure. Do you think you can make it at twelve thirty? Because uh, I'll try. But uh, as long as it's good for you to be there at twelve thirty, where you live. <laughs> in your well, you know, room. traffic is just murder at that yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Well, I say that the the uh, the the mandate that we should take away from Orgasmo so far, anyway, is that. Uh, you know, we we sh- we should get more work for you, but I think we need to go find out what what Miss Robin Lynn is doing now. I mean, to get her on screen in something, assuming she wants to still do that sort of thing. 
I would have I'm, to. I'm, I'm sure, sure she has like a family and a whole thing going on at this point. Yeah, that would be my bet. I mean, for her, it would be one thing if she did a, like a, a few independent shorts and one guest thing, but never really took off. <laughs> to, to have done nothing leads me to believe that may, maybe she just made a choice to go in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. which can happen. Yeah, that it was, or she went into porn and changed her name. That's right. One of the two. It had to be a conscious decision to just do one feature and then and cut off. I mean, did you have any interaction with her? Did she? Do you know what kind of experience she had? Whether it was pleasant for her or not, it's it seemed pleasant. I mean, yeah. again, she was one of the characters that we did audition for, and you know, knew her on set kind of thing. The days I was there, but yeah, it seemed very pleasant. Hmm. So, have you been in a position with family or friends from back home or whatever where you have to? Ex- I guess more ten years ago than now, had to explain what you're doing in L.A. and you say, "Well, I was in the, uh, I run a bowling alley." Right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, there was uh, just the bowling. I don't. I'm, you know, because I, I, I guess, you know, the non-joke version. Have you ever had to go, I was in this movie called Orgasmo? I'm doing the sequel to Death of a Salesman. <laughs> yes. It, it is funny to see the looks on people's faces when you tell them you're in a movie called Orgasmo. <laughs> because it, it wasn't mainstream. It was, it was the sort of title that just, you know, went yeah. over people's heads that they never it's knew about. It's Orgasmo for a yeah. reason. Right. So, yeah, it's a comedy. You know, I always put my hand out, like in, like in this gesture. You know, it's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a comedy. <laughs> but it's a Apparently, uh, IMDb tells me that this is originally Trey wanted to do a musical of this, which I can. I, I would have been down. He, he, loves, he loves music. He originally wants yeah. to do a musical of everything, oh, doesn't right. he? And often does. Turns anything into a musical whenever possible. Sancho, he's funny. Sancho, oh, yeah. Sancho. Very Ricardo Montalban yeah. looking fellow. If, if they ever do the Ricardo Montalban story, he's the man for the That's job. Right. <laughs> the rich Corinthian leather. Con. Me and the other casting director, whose name is Tom, was like, what's up with there are many Jeffs and there are many Toms? <laughs> Why are they coming after us? There are many Jeffs and there are many Toms. Frank Gifford? <laughs> Frank Gifford, Sancho. They love they reference Scott Bio. That's great. Not, not too often you get the Scott Bio joke. In, uh, in the <laughs> 90s, anyway. It was already too late for the Scott Bio joke. Yeah, but people gave up on asking me to give up and leave California a long time ago. They kind of accepted <laughs> I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah, well, my parents pretty much realized that, uh, I, I'm, strangely enough, I wasn't going to go back and get a job in the insurance industry. <laughs> I wonder if there's a like a, a convention presence of Orgasmo, either in sex conventions or in like Comic-Con. Because that's between those two places, and probably more Comic-Con than a sex con, you, the, the, the guy, everyone that's ever seen Orgasmo goes to Comic Con. Like, right? That's that group. Yeah, there's there's zero non-intersection. Yeah, it's it's the Venn diagram is just one circle. Yeah. It's all the same. Well, Cinemax should do something for them. They've, they've certainly aired the movie enough over the years. Oh, really? Yeah, it's tailor made for Cinemax, yeah. no doubt. I wonder if there's Orgasmo slash fic out there. Yikes! Yeah, better get on that, Brian. Well, I'm good. Like like <laughs> Orgasmo slash Chota Boy slash fic, and you know just. Yeah. So, I guess after this, you went straight to, well, after, I'm assuming there was a, a route to that whole thing, but you ended up doing Film Nut and been doing that for an awful long time. So, what was your, your career experience after this? Yeah, Film Nut will be three years at the end of January, 107 shows. Congratulations. Congratulations sir. Thanks. Um, in 2003, that's when I made Walking the Walk. I wrote it, I directed it, and uh, started in that. And I've written about seven other screenplays since then. I've worked with my partner, Beth, on trying to get some reality concepts off the ground, um, which is very difficult. Reality, for all you people out there, is the easiest thing 
um, to be stolen, exploited, and or taken advantage of with. So mm-hmm. it's it's something you have to be the most careful with because you cannot copyright an idea. Mm-hmm. You can only get protected, you know, on its execution. So a reality show is, you know, and so forth and so on. So that's really hard. So I just started um, learning more about different facets of the business after that. I mean, I continued my internship for a little while longer. I booked, you know, three or four or five roles through that casting office. I continued to pursue acting, but got more into writing. I did stand up comedy for a few years. Oh, cool. Um, uh, we, did we, yeah, we talked about uh, Sammy Mitchie Shore performed at the Comedy Store many times. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. I did, actually, that was probably close to after Orgasmo because I stopped stand-up comedy when I made my movie Walk in the Walk. That just took all my time as a indie kind of producer thing. And Film Nut, it, it's actors, writers, directors, producers, anyone that has anything to do with the making, marketing, distribution of film... TV, new media. Originally, it was just going to be film, but now we reach out and also cover TV and new media, which is why we had Trey the Amazing Stokes <laughs> yeah, exactly. on. Why, why else would I have been on there? We, we, we could have talked about Starship Troopers or That's something, right. but we talked about ARC and Pink 5, which, uh, you know, new media, I suppose both those are. I'm a huge Star, Star Wars fan, at least of episodes 4, 5, and 6. And had, <laughs> there you go. Welcome I, home. Welcome I, to the right. Come to the right place. I, right. Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. Star Wars. As opposed to whatever that other stuff was. And, you know, it's funny. When, when I was coming on here, I was like, Trey, just you know, tell me what movies you guys are going to do, and I'll, I'll see it a few days before. And Trey sends me an email back. We'd like to you know, make the guests comfortable, so shoot us movies you love or hate or connected to or whatever. There's something you can speak about, speak really, about, yeah. whatever, on, on whatever level. So on the hate list was Star Wars 1. And, <laughs> yeah. You know? Which is unfortunate if you, if you look into you know there's a surprising we were surprised to discover how many amateur impromptu commentaries there are out there phantom menace is far and away the one that everyone does um you know presumably you know i think i think overwhelmingly so they can hate on it yeah properly. google search like hate or kill jar jar binks and, yeah, and see what comes up on google it's, huge. You know? it's probably for a lot of the same reason people do star wars fan films is because there's a built-in audience for a phantom menace commentary because everyone will listen to that you don't have to ask someone to do something they wouldn't already be willing to do by saying sit down and listen to us make fun of this movie or so many people just have to talk about why they can't stand the phantom menace i do my big dilemma in interviewing Trey the Amazing Stokes Uh-oh. was <laughs> I, I know he was primarily coming on to talk about ARC which we did but I'm like I, I watched Pink 5 like right before I'm like oh my god I freaking love this you know? <laughs> well, thank you so how much how do I not talk about that the whole time well thanks well, sorry we, for blowing out your sound there. I'll be happy to I'll be happy to you know come back anytime and we can do the Pink 5 I mean there may be Pink 5 news to discuss at some point oh cool too, so, yeah maybe we'll, yeah. My, I think are, my, are, you making, are you making a volume 4 no uh, uh, no uh, we're huh? Just talking about Volume oh. Three and uh, what might happen with that, but uh, I think unfortunately we're kind of premature, possibly with uh, not that I mind you know getting the word out there because obviously sixty frames doesn't care about getting the word out there about Ark or my existence or its existence, but uh, you know I, we might have been jumped the gun. It's like maybe in like three four months I might have more to say about Ark and Pink Five at the same time, and uh, but. I'll be happy to come back. Well, and I really hope uh, if you ever want me to want have something more legitimate, we can talk about. And I really hope Art gets the play it deserves. Well, thank you, Renee O'Connor. Awesome. Yes, we're all we all like the Renee. Certainly, no doubt about that. I want a purple top like <laughs> the that. I do. I really do want a shiny spandex purple shirt like that. All right, I'll go get it in a second. Oh, do you have one? <laughs> we're in the middle of the show right now. Have one, <laughs> have one of my size. Yes, actually. So in, in following ba- following our hero's journey, you know, I know it's, we, right, we come back to it's like this is just a funny movie. We can't say much about it. We're right on the line, but uh, you know, the the we're, here comes you know Act Three. We're breaking into Act Three just like we're supposed to. He the hero has learned his skills. He has acquired his knowledge, <laughs> and now it is time for him to apply the knowledge to to win the to win the day at the end and prove that he is worthy of being king. I love this. So porn hurts people. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's the lesson. And then Ron Jeremy's like, huh? <laughs> yeah, Ron Jeremy's being won over to the point of view. I've unsuccessfully tried to make that argument about, you know, strippers and porn exploiting men by exploiting women and that whole back double thing that she was just trying to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's... Uh, it's funny, the... I'm sorry, I'm still in a, a Penn and Teller movie. We just did the prestige, and obviously we're talking about magic. But Penn on his radio show talks about how he had an experience where he was really turned off by a girl that worked at Hooters who was making fun of a stripper. And he says, and it, and it works like that all the way down, because the girl that works at Hooters makes fun of the stripper. The girl that's a stripper makes fun of the girl that does lap dance. The girl that does lap dances makes fun of the call girls. The call girls make fun of the dominatrices, like, or the subs in this case. I think it's time for everyone to just be okay. <laughs> yeah. Can we move on, please? Trey, who did I tell you you looked like when you came to film that? Um, oh, I don't remember. Blythe Danner. <laughs> Blythe Danner. Who, that's no, right. Who, who were we just talking about? Penn and Teller. Right? Oh, oh, that's right. Penn Gillette. That's yeah. right. You just say for resemblance to Penn Gillette. I have a friend of mine tell me that my uh, my still picture and the uh, the thumbnail of me on on your site, which I hate with a burning passion, but, <laughs> but there's never been a picture of me taken that I like. So that's you know nothing special. She said you look like Picasso. I'm like, well, that's interesting and crazy, but I'll take it. <laughs> Weird. I had that like bizarre. I'm a genius. Don't get too close to me. Look, I don't know what that from, but you know, Picasso I'll take, or but but Pendulette I'll also take. That's that's fine. I've often, I've often thought that I need to find someone who's kind of Teller esque, and that could be my Halloween costume one, one year. I could, yeah. but we'll go get matching. We'll get matching business suits, and he won't talk, and I'll just be boisterous. Find some quiet dapper man. Exactly. If Dean Bashar is available, then he'd be the perfect one. He would. He would be perfect. Be, that's a, he's a, like a miniature person. He's like a scaled down human being. He's one of those people that's right on the cusp of, is he a little person? Is he legitimately a little person, or is he just a little person? So at Sundance, the same year that Orgasmo was there, Trey and Matt also screened Spirit of Christmas for an audience. Oh, wow. And also this group of like diehard fans came down to kind of uh, act it out in play. Really? <laughs> As well. Like, cool. like Rocky yeah. Horror? Like they yeah, came exactly, and yeah. It was either, they either that did warms it for my the, heart. Maybe they did it for that or Cannibal. I'm not sure. It was one of the two. Maybe Cannibal makes more sense. <laughs> Now, here, now we have to give props for Trey for for being willing to you know to talk about scenes that actors didn't want to do. You know, Trey Trey wrote and directed himself to okay, I'm going to get humped by a dog. Zach Braff talks about this in the Garden State commentary. He's like, there's only like a dozen humping dogs at any given time. Yeah, and they're uh, the 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 go word for the dog for getting him to hump someone on Garden State at least was uh, love him up or or who's your bitch? Who's your bitch? Who's your bitch? Yeah. Trey, took a lot, Trey took a lot of takes on that. I don't think he had a problem with it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> the dog is doing an excellent job. The dog is that dog. Is the dog fantastic. was like, "Come on, get your lines yeah. right. <laughs> Come on, bitch. Yeah, 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 you like you like that, don't you? You like that, don't you? Come on." We worked with dogs on Pet Cemetery too, who had to do lots of things, but they did not have to hump. <laughs> they did not have to be taught to do that. I don't know if they had a, a word for that. I think this dogs. guy's also the uh, production coordinator, or at least he was for a little while on. Wait, he was that on this film, and he also worked for South Park for a while. I saw him down at South Park a few times. He's becoming the character he was originally resisting becoming. See, yeah. it's John Campbell would love this movie. Joseph, these guys actually, you know, this, this is a fun little fight scene. You know, Ron Jeremy, who's not you know especially noted for his stunt work <laughs> necessarily, but uh, you know. Having some fun in somebody's Beverly Hills mansion here. I assume this isn't in the mansion. Looks like it. The, the subtitles helpfully tell us muffled cries. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Although Trey Parker's character there, he did call that guy butt lord, which is, you know, pretty strong words for, <laughs> for a Mormon. Well, that's why the movie got an NC-17. Yeah, that's what it is, because Mormon, a Mormon said butt lord. That's you know, you're, what it t- is. you're talking last century. You know, butt lord in the last century. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Yeah, those crazy puritanical 20th century. Cent- yeah. century or, oh, those they, people. They went nuts. They went crazy. They just went crazy with power. Apparently, that's Dean Bacar's one move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, to, just to pummel your stomach. Well, doesn't he like he's resisting doing that other style that he has to do, the right? Thing. Oh, the hat's right. The hamster, the hamster That's stance, the which he, he must not. He has sworn never, never to do. Yeah, I think uh, any second now, but Trey's going to implore him to do but it. He must. <laughs> he, he must. He must do it. He must. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unfortunate. Now, are you? Are you? Are you going to be in any of this? Or we, have we seen the last of you in this film? Or are you going to be? In I this? think we've seen the last of me. So you don't? Yeah, you're, 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 you went out on the on the oh. <laughs> beautiful stuff. You went out on the dildo scene. That was, was your villains. That was Jeremy. your villains dispatching. Was the being? I mean, I think you you did see me again after that, or no? Or maybe not after the dildo thing. But you, you don't. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we did because we chased after them. I think you maybe saw me one more quick time. Yeah, you ran out of the building. But I'm saying in terms of no more fight scenes or encounters with the characters, right? Because they kind of, they kind of already story wise, they kind of already dealt with you. They got the the contract back. That was what we did. You've been bested. Your your character was defeated. That was kind of an Indiana Jones moment that we just passed, where the the Spanish Sancho comes in. It's gonna be a big fight, and I say, shoot him. Just waste him. This other guy reminds me of Joshua Molina a little bit. The um the asshole porn star. <laughs> now wouldn't that have been a great role if, for Josh Molina? <laughs> wouldn't it if it was like you look at it now and nice move, the boom guy <laughs> the boom guy throwing down with the boom. It's like that's a nice twist. Didn't see that coming. You really did the did a nice job with it. Now we have to give you know Trey Parker, I, I tremendous respect because you know he's he's doing this, he's making this work. You know, he's, yeah. He's obviously he's you know he's he's done, he's worked out, he's got himself all beefed up, he's looking good, you know. And they're doing the he's he's doing the do, he's doing the he's doing what you do. Well, that's what they with say. a thing on his hand. One of the one of the big aspects of to direct a movie successfully is just to be in shape because the process yeah, is you really do need to be it's, it helps it's so they, grinding that you know it just you need to be in shape before you start otherwise physically you're not gonna. You're not going to survive. Well, someone who's done it, and I just did it again recently with a short film, is you always have to take advantage of your you know, pre-production or your prep time. But, yeah, you have to be locked and loaded. The actor part version of you has to be so locked and loaded right. before yeah. you step on set you know, to do it successfully, I think. You really have to, have to make sure every bit of your homework you've mm-hmm. done. Because there's just so much more to do. I yeah. mean, it's, like just, you know, it's hard enough to direct, but to, to credibly... You know, direct yourself. You know, and, and make and it, sure that you're doing. You know, that you're. And it helps if you either your first. You know, more likely your first has some maybe directing experience as well. So yeah, at least you, you want someone to be second, keeping an eye second, on it. Goes that was that was a little bit yeah. too much. But you know, yeah. you, you otherwise, you, but you don't want to have that too much. Otherwise, then who's directing? Right, you know? right, right, right. So so yeah, it's very tough. I have, I have tremendous respect for actors who can't who direct credibly, and I think some of them, you know, some of them do it spectacularly. You know, yeah. I big, love big this. stars. <laughs> He's he's bringing back his repressed memory of that time he decided not to do hamster style anymore. <laughs> that tra- the traumatic experience of why he doesn't do it anymore is. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to do hamster style anymore. <laughs> he's bringing it back. Yeah, <laughs> character moment. 
Dean Bashar, how he got overlooked for the Oscar. For the, for the I'm serious, dude. He really cracks me up. He's really yeah, good. He is. <laughs> uh, he's done some voice work on South Park. Well, I should hope so, yeah. at the very least. Yeah. yeah. He played uh, Satan's boyfriend, Chris. Oh, when, okay. When, yes, uh, yes, Saddam, yes. When he had to choose between Saddam Hussein and Chris. Right. That was okay. One of, That's one good. The, one of the That's episodes awesome. he was in. Talk about talk about committing to to a moment. <laughs> you know, when, he, when he turns the when he turns loose on the hamster style, yeah. that's an actor committing. All right, it's time. We've dealt with all the henchmen. It's, it's time, time for, for the, the boss. boss fight. The boss fight now. Use the force, Luke. So you see what I mean? They just oftentimes it's not even really a joke what they're doing. They just straight up do the cliche or the the whatever the most contrived way to do it is, and they just do it. And yeah. and they don't apologize I, for it, and they don't shy away from it. They're right, just do right. it. But it's something about either like what we were talking about earlier, where it's you know it's with such commitment, and they you know they believe it enough, or that you know they have enough conviction behind it that you still buy it anyway, and that's the humor. I I don't know exactly, but I, I admire them for. Being able to do that, at least, I guess. Now, now, what's just like specifically? What are you talking about? The the well, just, weapon failing at the you know, yeah, yeah. plot points. The- uh, yeah, I mean, it, this what motivated me speaking just now was was that was that plot point where okay, we have the boss and we have this gun that makes everything easy. Okay, well, we don't have the gun anymore. Yeah, but it's just a temporary thing. <laughs> <laughs> just so they could have that you know conversation, so they could have that. So yeah. we could so that. So we could do the monologue. Last bit of conf- right. conflict too. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. He rolls out the door, which conveniently opens for him. <laughs> Beautiful. But of course, you're looking for that moment of, you know, I am Orgasmo. <laughs> you know, again, the hero's journey is complete. He has accepted his true destiny. So <laughs> one, more for one more for Jesus. Yeah. Why not? Oh, my God. He's going to get humped by a giant inflatable <laughs> whale. This is an airplane. Come on. Or, or, or he's going to want to hump the giant whale. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> being, true. Being yeah, shot they, with that thing as much as he would. That'd be the, the, the extra, extra scene. Maybe that's, maybe that's the, the, maybe the unrated <laughs> version. Is the extended him humping the humpback killer whale inflatable pool toy. It does seem like it's one of those movies where you could be like, you know what? Just, just, just so we have it, why don't you... Hump that statue. Okay, good. And we'll move on when we go to the other scene. Hump that rug. Hump the pool table. You get on the top of the pool table and do a dance. It's like anything goes. One of the scenes that didn't make this version, I wonder if it made the unrated one, which was great in the Uh-oh. table in the table read that I was telling you guys about that everyone was cracking out, cracking up. One of the characters was in the middle of a porn scene, and the director says, "Cut." And the ass fuck twins are like, you know, one of them says, "Don't come on me," and the other one says, "Don't come on me either." You know, <laughs> you know. So he's oh, so that's ev- racist. See, that's wrong. So every, everywhere he goes to come, there's a re- hey, don't come on that. That's my light. Hey, don't come <laughs> oh, on no. that. That's my this. That's my that. And he's and I love the, his models here. So, so there's like a naked porn actor running around looking for a place <laughs> to come. Like, come on, and, and, and he doesn't stop like jerking himself. Oh you know, cause no, because he, he, he's looking for a place desperately, frantically. You know. For a place to relieve himself. Beautiful. Yeah. They, so they didn't actually blow up the mansion. I think that's a miniature. I'm pretty sure they did that with a miniature. I'm pretty sure they didn't blow up the mansion. I'm not sure because yeah. it's quite it's quite sophisticated. But that looked like a miniature to me. Yeah. 
it is a trick to pull off this kind of style where yeah, you know, it's like when you the villains, everyone's standing there by the firelight and it's it's Spielberging. Yeah. And Ron Jeremy says, I think we've learned a lot about ourselves tonight, you know, it's it's well, because you guys have such uh, visual effect experience, is it easier for you to enjoy it in comedy form than when it's in a serious movie? Yes. And it's not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Far and away, yes. Yeah. yeah. A movie that a movie that you know really thinks that they are fooling you, and right. you know, oh, that's very sad. That's very sad to see. And you know, as we we talked about this on the show, some some we you know, as also as visual effects artists, we understand that sometimes it's not that the visual effects artists don't know that the shot isn't successful. I mean, you know, they, it's, and it's, it's not that they don't necessarily have the talent to do it either. <laughs> yeah, there there are whole kinds of circumstances that might mean a shot doesn't work. Or There's not. Uh, it's funny because you get to the point where you you look at a shot in the movie and you you can't go, you can't see a terrible shot in the movie and go. Oh, that sucks! Or those guys shouldn't have been working on the project. It, I look at that and go, those guys had a long six weeks where they they did it once, yeah. and the client said change it, and they did it three times, and the last one we got is the one that they had like a week to finish. Yeah. It breaks my heart to see that kind of shit because usually anyone that's doing it for a living can pull it off. Yeah, for given, the most part, there's, there's given the time and given you know they the can pull it off. And if they haven't, that means that something got in their way, and that looks like a headache to me. Yeah. Seriously, like, there there are so many myriad. Hundreds of thousands of reasons that a movie can be screwed up and be bad, but it takes every single one of those to line up the right way for the movie to be good. And yeah. if you just knock any one of those things out of alignment, then the whole thing falls apart. Ergo, the importance of being nice to everyone. Yes, <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Yes, the importance of getting along and being able to work with people. Like what yeah. I say on film, that at, at some juncture of every film, there's going to, especially a normal budget where you have a normal sized crew when people are working independently, there's going to be an opportunity where every member on that crew has the, has the chance to either go the extra mile for you yeah. or mail it in. And, yeah. it, and if you're not cool to them, they're going to, why should they do more than their job, if you will? Yeah, we've had that conversation about uh, Cameron, for example. All, all the all the Avatar hype and buzz. You know, it's it's funny. It's 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 funny and interesting to me that uh, most everyone is still saying exactly what I've said and what everyone else has always said about working with Cameron is, oh, he's a badass, but he makes you know, he makes you want to work harder for him because he's working very hard. You know, and Sigourney Weaver on Fox News said that last night. You know, it's like it's it's he's still that way. So you know, I, I think. On a film like this, and we've all done little small-scale budget films, I mean, you're, you're asking people to, to do all kinds of things for less than really they should be getting paid, you know, little to nothing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> nice. You know, you, you, you really do. I mean, if nothing else, you have to have the trust and the community spirit, you know, either that or just pay people. Right. You know, if you want to, right. you want to treat people like, like dirt, you, you, pay, pay, them. you exactly. pay them for That's that. Good. Yeah. You pay you pay to treat people like you don't care about them. Otherwise, you have to you have to exactly like you care about them and treat them you know accordingly. Yeah, not on reality shows. Then that's they don't even pay you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Good point. But this there you go. It's it's interesting that, as you pointed out earlier. They are doing the you know the by the numbers where you know you know that they're doing. A riff on how this kind of you know it's like it's like this would be a Disney movie would end this way. I just know everything's going to be okay from now on, you know. And you know they're doing it, and yet they're just doing it, and yet it's still working. In Cannibal, they had him dressed up like an Indian chief, and now they have him this like Afrocentric clothing. Yeah. I, <laughs> Why is the Japanese guy wearing a dashiki? That's what I want. You know, and Teague, as you brought up right at the very beginning, you know, you just see as their work progresses in South Park, they just get better and better at this style <laughs> of writing and execution. You know? Is that Vigo Mortensen? <laughs> it, it could certainly easily be. 
Including, including the big crane pullback at the end. That's you know, and the pink Cadillac. Oh wait, I forgot about the the fly bit. Here. <laughs> the and, final and, bit. And this, and this is where it sets up for the sequel that never happened. And that is Lloyd Kaufman, the president of Troma Entertainment. Talks That's Avenger. right. That right there. That's Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman. I recognize him. He's been on film that a couple times. He's talk about a guy who's you know a fascinating career, man, yeah. Lloyd Kaufman. They seem to get a big kick out of the term cocky prick. <laughs> cocky prick. Yeah. Amputate your pee-pee. Doesn't have the same ring as the ass fuck twins. <laughs> All right, here comes the, the cackling Bill Paxton moment. Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> yeah, very much. It is a Bill Paxton thing. And, and, and not, to mention, like not a, to mention a secret, you know, have a cleavage shot that won't quit. That's right. <laughs> it's like, the, like that, that woman doesn't even know she's in a movie. She's like, stand here like this and do what? Okay. It's kind of a bummer because this movie, I love it so very much, as I'm sure you've already noticed, and there's so little to say about it. It's just, it's good. So, Chasey Lane, Julie Jeff Schubert, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Schubert, Those are the shark, and Randy the much, guppy is your, is your other and guy. And Jimmy the fish. So, you actually win of the three. Well, that's funny that you, you say that. Name. In, in the table read, when everyone they said, go around in a circle, say your name and, and the name of your character. So I said, Jeff Schubert, Time of the Shark, the most powerful of the three fish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go. got a good laugh. There we go. So I guess these are our porn Got a good stars. laugh out of Trey from that. Christy Lake and Jeff. These, you know, Jacqueline Lick. Jacqueline Lick. These must be real porn stars, I imagine. There were a couple of ones that were higher up um, to the names that we passed. Nice. Chasey, I think, was one of them. Um, as the, as the joke goes, as a comedian said, was the porn, the porn industry is uh, fascinating because it's the it's one of the few entertainment industries where you are a star simply by being in the industry. That's right. You know, it's like being an actor doesn't make you a movie star, right. but doing porn makes you yeah. a porn star. Right. So you just automatically become a star. The handicap, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I love this movie dearly, and it's very close to my heart. And it was really cool to get to talk to Jeff about it. Uh, and it is what it is. There's, you know, there's you, you can't add anything to Orgasmo. It simply exists in spite of you. And if you enjoy it, you're along for the ride. <laughs> That's right. Whether you, whether you, Brian, did this, like it or this not, live up there. for you? Yeah, it holds up. I'm, I'm glad I got to watch it again. I mean, I, like I said, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and. I, it had been a long enough time where I had forgotten many of the jokes, and you know, you come at it again. So, but yeah, I don't know what else there is to say other than it does what it sets out to do, and it does it very well. Now, Trey, I yeah, yeah. Um, well, what I like to what I the reason it's worth watching and the reason it's worth looking at it brings us back to how we started is it's clearly a low budget movie. It's a million in some, um, and yet you know they took what they had. They you know it started with a good solid story you know as crazy and farcical as it was they they told it well they acted it well they you know they they did it competently at you know at worst it's competent you know technically and at best it's done really well and uh you know you can make an entertaining film out of that and i i again i love it as as an example of it doesn't matter you know conclude as i began by saying it doesn't matter what kind of movie you're making you can be making any movie you want but if you start with a good spine of a story and a character and what they want and their journey and whether or not they get it, you have a chance of making a movie that works just fine as a movie, no matter what the topic of that movie is. Jeff, I'm assuming that at this point in your life you have a fond memory and experience with Orgasmo. Yeah, no, it's you great. a healthy relationship. Great to see it again. Great to see myself with hair uh, again. <laughs> and no, I, it will always be a very positive memory. So, yeah, it was a pleasure. I really appreciate you guys having me in to sit down and, and 
and talk about it and relive it in this fashion was very new and very enjoyable. We're well, going to need to bring you back and, and have you talk about something else that we can really have a discussion about and get into the, the fun of it because a podcast like Down in Front and a show like Film Nut seem <laughs> like those guys have some interests that might align with each other. Well, as, as if, if you haven't gone to watch you know, my episode of uh, Film Nut, which Go to the stream.tv forward slash Film Nut and Jeff, find Trey's mug. Yeah, right. Jeff rocked my world by starting off by calling me Trey the Amazing Stokes and then we have a whole conversation about it and I was like shocked to find out, well, you've actually been listening to down in front don't you have better things to do with your life i don't understand so uh yeah clearly there was a simpatico uh, uh thing going on there anyway this has been down in front thank you very much for listening as always you can find us at downinfront.net. subscribe to our forum please get back in touch with us and tell us what you thought about the commentary any ideas you have for future episodes you can subscribe to us on itunes find us on facebook twitter the name is down in front on all of the above and the stream.tv forward slash film that is where you can find Jeff's show which is definitely worth watching especially if it has Trey on it especially. but furthermore if it has Renee or anyone else on it or anyone else I'd start with Renee because she's cute she's worth watching yeah. it's like easy to say that she's worth watching um, and until next time this has been Down in Front my name is Teague Christie and I'm Brian Fenerbahce and I'm Trey Stokes and thank you so much to our special guest Jeff Schubert Jeff and this has been Down in Front thank you very much for listening good night good night and Chota Boy! <laughs> Trendsinyourhead.com